Good evening and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast where we analyse the Star Trek universe from a non-Trekkie perspective. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Paul. Hello. And Matt. Hello. And we've also got a returning guest with us who at this point, with this episode included, is probably our most recurring guest ever. Oh, fuck. Stephen like, Chumble. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, you were previously on our Comedy of Trek episode yes. with uh, William Stone. Mm-hmm. First Contact. Yes. My favourite Star Trek film. Yeah, you were on too. for that. And too. you were also on for our first Next Generation episode with Sean McLaughlin. Yeah, with Sean. And now you are back. And even that was now like o- over a year ago, the uh, oh, yeah, Next Generation yeah. episode. So, Oh, I was so happy when you got in touch with me. You were just like, it's been a while since you've been on. <laughs> and yeah. I was like... I, that's how it works. Oh yes, I'm coming back. It just well, back. we've started. People this... have been clamouring, and here you are, all the way from Wolf Three Five Nine to join us here, or as David would call it, Wolf Three Fifty Nine. Well, we've started this new run of episodes where basically we invite a guest onto the show who's a big Trekkie, big fan kind of thing, or a big fan of a particular kind of series of Trek to basically just come on and talk about an episode they're super passionate about. Now, it doesn't mean it's their favourite episode. could be an episode they passionately despise uh, <laughs> for some reason or another, or they could have a personal connection with it. It can be anything, really. The important thing is that you can talk about it a lot on a podcast. That's all that matters. Steve, you have come here today to talk about which episode? I have picked... The best of both worlds, part one and two. Before we get into why you've picked it, just in case listeners have not heard the other episodes where you're included, and it's been a long time since you were last on, so you've had all kinds of things going on since then, Mm -hmm. can you tell us about a bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, I am a writer and comedian, uh, stand-up comedian. Uh, I recently am appearing on uh, Comedy Central uh, on online platforms in a show called Pie and a Pint, where it's just me talking with comedian Jordan Gray about a bunch of other things and a bunch of other really great comedians at the moment. So uh, apart from that, I'm just, yeah, just a circuit mm. comedian, newcomer. Yeah, uh, trying to pint. kind of make my way forward in the world. Trying to pint. Yeah. Time of recording is three episodes in out of the yeah. nine. There's nine. I'm nine, in yes. seven out of the... I'm in seven of nine yeah. of the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're not in every single one, but you're in No, I specified them, yeah. that I would only be in seven of nine. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I have once... Well, so you there was nine. I've always I wanted to, be, to in be in seven of nine. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> like, we should be like, Steve, everybody's in nine out of nine. Why are you dropping this? <laughs> I have my reasons. <laughs> How did you get involved in that? Oh, that was um, basically um, Jordan Gray. Um, uh, I've worked with a bunch of times. Uh, she's just done a, a series with them. Mm. She just wrote and uh, starred in her own series with them. Uh, they got her to be in the show, and mm. then she, I think she, she suggested me. Oh. But then the director actually went and like just looked at my YouTube clips and mm. sent me an email out of the blue. Like it just came out of nowhere. So what you're telling us is nepotism is alive and well. Yes, it's called favors, mate. Favors. <laughs> but yeah, but obviously he went and watched uh, your actual stuff. Yeah, mm. no, himself, yeah, and he went. No, no way. I'm not having you on until I went, well, if he's not on, then I'm, I'm walking. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. What, yeah. was, what was on your YouTube? Was it some of the stuff, the other stuff you did with Jordan? Um, the, some the of them. No. I mean, I think he'd already seen the pilot that we did. Like You did uh, a comedy pilot? Because something's happened pilot. since the oh, yes. uh, last appearance. 
You did a comedy pilot with Jordan Gray. Yeah, uh, we were yeah. both playing yourselves, basically. Essentially, it was like us as comedians just yeah. sat, yeah. And then the, the pie in the pie is actually really weirdly similar. It's us being ourselves talking in a pub, pretty much exactly the same yeah. setup. So but like, a little bit kind of yeah. more, you're, you're, you're not kind of caricatured versions no, of yourself no, in pie in a pie. No, yeah, yeah. of course not. But then uh, anything vaguely deep or dark will get cut. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of the most interesting things actually because this is the first time I've ever been on something that um, I have no control over how it's edited mm. so it feels weirdly the most exposing thing mm. I've ever done I think yeah. but it, it's uh, I guess it's just uh, something that you got, I've got to get used to you know it's, yeah it really, it's been it's, not, it's not you making the stuff like that come for once <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> who's editing this by the way <laughs> and also we're burying the lead because the big news mm. since you were last on is you've started your own fucking podcast oh, which you did not oh mention oh my god is that what you're getting <laughs> Oh my god. Yes, and you, you tell me like, oh my god, shit. I did after I've been on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, oh my yeah, god, yeah. Oh my you god. literally when you were last on, <sighs> I remember that. you it had was... not started your podcast. That blows my mind. So it has been a while. That has yeah, been, yeah, well, I mean yeah. I started the podcast almost exactly a year ago. Tell uh, us so about your podcast. I have a podcast called Fifty Uses for the Word Love. Uh, it's available uh, on iTunes and Podbean and Spotify. And Currently on hiatus. Uh, yeah, it is going on hiatus, but that's a... <laughs> <laughs> right strike. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> H Dempsey is the last recorded episode yeah you killed and, the pub and, yeah. and, and, and <laughs> not, not a month goes by not a month goes by without Liam private messaging me going mate tell me I'm not the guy who Kill 50 uses for the love. Please, mate, please. I did it twice anyway. Yes. For listeners who have never heard it, there are 16 whole episodes yeah, to go yeah, binge yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, they are wonderful, but, really. Yeah. yeah. Really oh, enjoyable. and, and, and we're, we've already got a few more in, in the bag, and uh, we're, I'm just lining up new guests for the second uh, it's coming rush. Back. So it's definitely coming back. We're going to do 50 episodes. It's all about the different forms of love. So we've got things like uh, uh, nostalgia, mm. uh, schadenfreude, just uh, anything that could be misappropriated. Yeah, what were some of the more stranger words that you found affiliated with love? Oh, that tune in to episode things. 48, 49, and 50. I thought it was obscure. <laughs> well, there are some really nice obscure ones. There are ones with no English trans- translation. So we had uh, viraha, which... Uh, uh, means uh, love. Is that Klingon? Yeah, well, it does sound like Klingon, doesn't it? Um, uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's Hindi. I think, um, and it's um, uh, love through separation. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm. And we had, I think, my favourite one so far has been Nas, not the rapper, but. Um, uh, it means, yeah, I mean that would be a yes. bit gay if you had Nas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it means the the warm feeling and pride that you get from knowing that somebody else loves you. Mm. That's a beautiful word. Um, but, but, and we explored with uh, comedian Maisie Adam. She came on for that one and we had like a really good chat because her version of it was really positive. To feel, you know, she finally had found a relationship where she felt proud of, of just being in love with him. Whereas I was going back into my history, my love life history and being like, oh, there were times where I just wanted to be loved and I didn't care. There's, there's like positive and negative spins on so many of these words. It's such an interesting thing. But yeah, you've also had Jordan Gray on as well, obviously. Yeah, 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 and right. you've had your own brother yes. on who's also a two-time previous guest yeah. on Spock, like David Trumbull. Yeah. Jen, Ives. Also, Jen Ives. Jen Ives as well. Who's also been William Stone, William who's Stone. also been on the podcast. So yeah, there's a bit of cross-pollination. Uh, and yeah, I killed the podcast with the last episode. Nice. So. 
upset that um, uh, uh, previous uh, guest of this show and uh, uh, head of our own wonderful show, uh, Bygones Podcast, Eleanor, Amazing. Okay, is in an upcoming episode. So that will be coming out pretty soon. What's the word? Oh, oh, she kept, she bought her own word, mm. which I'm always, I always love. It's morbid fascination. Oh, two not, words. Not one she, <laughs> not one she literally invented. It's, it's called, invent it's called 50 uses, not 50 words. <laughs> oh, Greg, and Greg Locke's been on as well. Yes. He's been on the podcast. And actually, his episode is really good, actually. Really, oh, really good. It's like proper moving. He's talking about his uh, grandfather. Mm. Yeah, amazing story of his mission to get yes. the kind of like the medals back and everything oh. it's like proper like gripping mm. stuff yeah really well felt like yours talked. and greg's episode were like a grandfather off it's yeah, like, yeah you know what well, his was great grandfather yeah and yours yeah, was yeah, equally yeah, emotional yeah, yeah. i think it's almost like a kind of like they're like they're like sister episodes like they mm. really are and they they work really well because uh but yeah greg's it was actually really interesting to talk to greg because he it's uh, having known him most of like our young lives it really took him this long to get his politics in order. Do you know what I mean? Like he, yes. he really has changed, but in the yeah, time yeah. he talks a lot about Brexit and all this kind of stuff. It's really interesting to see he, we couldn't have recorded same thing with a lot of the guests, including my twin brother. A lot of these episodes could not have been recorded even five years ago. Mm. Like, like people weren't ready. They weren't in a good place. It's such an interesting, you yeah, know, please do check it out. Uh, well, the episode there. with David, I think is, is pretty special. That that is a pretty like raw listen. Yeah, so. you needed to wrestle in some vineyards. Uh, before oh, that's exact. Oh, yes, exactly. That's I exactly what we did. Actually, 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 the things you bring up that episode specifically, I will say this is a and you could call this an announcement unless I manage to get it uh, edited in time. But the next thing I will release, I'm doing this thing called the Fifty Uses for the Word Love redeclarations, where previous guests can come back so this is I'm extending an invitation directly to you sir thank you if you would like to come back and re-declare your word and talk about it or just see how you're doing it's just like a kind of you know just go back a little a supplemental episode it's, it's the 10 minutes at the end of any grand designs <laughs> pretty much yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. He's seeing who's broken but up the first the episode but the first the, but, but we decided to commemorate because my brother was back this year for christmas we decided to commemorate the year anniversary of starting the podcast of which mm. he was the first episode we recorded by doing his redeclaration, so that will, so there there is a sequel to that podcast Amazing. episode coming out soon. Is you invite me on right now while we're on mic? Our version of Patrick Stewart inviting Whoopi Goldback for, exactly for Car Season Two on the View recently. Be my diner. <laughs> I've already got the hat picked out. Yeah. I want to know. Finally. Can I wear my hair however I like? Yeah, of course you can. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good to um, but yeah, no, that's great. Like seriously, uh, fifty uses for the word love. Great podcast, um, really original. Check it out and get ready for the new episodes coming out soon. 100%. Any idea on release date for the return? Let's say no. Because <laughs> uh, well, well, basically, the reason why I took the hiatus because I just fucking knackered myself doing them pretty much every week for like a year. Yeah, you set um, you set yourself up for a fall. So now I, instead I of it being so. every Monday, I'm going to make it just. Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so how will I tell you which Monday? I can't tell you what Monday it's gonna be. But it'll be a Monday. But come Monday, baby, 
Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it's that because it's heart. not in your logo, but it is on the head image on yes. the page. I'm which is every Monday, I was like, "Oh, he's committed there." Oh no, it's <laughs> yeah. just going to be. And also, yeah. any other, any, any Monday. Any Monday. <laughs> the other thing we should mention before we move on is that obviously you are a certain comedian, mm-hmm. and you are about yeah. to embark <gasps> on basically what is you know kind of the cultivation of many years' work. Your first proper hour yes. as a standard comedian which is which is basically the biggie isn't it that's what mm. everyone's building up to yeah and you are about to do it for the yeah. first time i am next sunday uh as of time of taping which um, will definitely be in the past when yes so i will already have done how did it but... go everyone <laughs> but really yeah you're absolutely right it'll be the first time i've ever spent that long on stage it won't be considered my debut for that to happen i'd have to do it in edinburgh Right. So what this will be will be like a work in progress test run, but it's not billed as such because it's just one night only at the Vault Festival. One night only. Oh yeah, one night only, bro. It's gonna be so good. Um, What's it uh, called? It's called Stephen Trumbull is not alone. And for the poster, I actually went quite Star Trek with it. There's a there's the the like it's me in front of like a starry <laughs> yeah. background, and even some of like the font I used was quite next gen esque, and I used a lot of the kind of the blue color and because you're putting a tiny me. Enterprise just floating oh, around. I in wanted the to. So, I mean, I do <laughs> get like sued by Paramount. There is like a falling star. You could argue you can't say it's no. not a warping vessel, yeah. and you literally can't have performed this with an empty audience now, because no. if you do, at some Yes. cunt critic out there is going to be like oh well you certainly was alone <laughs> last night one star had been star per attendee or if no if no one laughs it'd be like well the crowd was packed but it certainly sounded like he was alone <laughs> you could hear the crickets one star. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I, sh- I shouldn't have invited you. <laughs> These are excels by future reviews. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, no, a version of this show I'll probably end up taking to Edinburgh soon. This year, I'll take it as a work in progress. This year, doing what we call the Coward's Hour, oh. which is forty to forty-five minutes, aka you not, aka not. Oh yeah, you get off my bridge. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it's what you do to just kind of get comfortable, get used to the Edinburgh audiences. And uh, I'll do that for like two weeks, maybe this fringe, and then maybe come back with a full show next week. Yeah. Got the old wire, like, mesh up in front of you. and Oh, yeah. And catch the bottles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like, uh, you know, like chicken out and do roll it, do roll it. Roll it, roll it. Why, we're the good old boys. <laughs> You're going to look funny doing stand-up with no fucking teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would look pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. Oh. I wouldn't even need a mic stand. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, if you get a chance to catch uh, Steve do stand-up, definitely recommend it. It's, it. You are really good, man. Like, Thanks, I'm really looking man. forward to seeing like you what you do with a whole hour of material. I know you've been building towards it for quite some time. You haven't, that's the thing, you haven't leapt into it. Mm. You've waited until you've got good material for the whole kind of time. So, yeah, yeah that's going to be really fun stuff. But today... <laughs> We are here to talk about the best of both worlds, part one and two. The best of both. They're the most powerful force in the universe. Now the Borg have the most destructive plan ever to conquer the human race. You have committed acts of aggression against the United Federation of Planets. Target one, the Enterprise. Directed, Deck Nine. Jordy, evacuate engineering. Target two, Captain Picard. Your culture will adapt to service hours. We would rather die. 
the final target. Earth. On the next exciting episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Lovest, best of both. So that's what we're just talking about. Uh, directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, this is Star Trek The Next Generation Season 3, Episode 26. And Season 4, Episode 1. Yes. It crosses the streams of Season 3 and 4. This is the Season 3 finale and the Season 4 premiere. The first time in Star Trek history to do this and set a trend for future seasons. Yeah, that's very true, actually, isn't it? Because, yeah, the first season and the second season both just have one-off finales. Season two finale, of course, was Shades of Grey, which was covered on our How the Trek Did This Get Made episode. I mean, I mean you were wondering whether the show's coming back after that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was one of the worst pieces of TV I've ever seen which, in my life. Which season finale was that? Two. Right? Season two, which was wow. the, clip, the clip show, the terrible clip show. God, yeah, it really oh, could have just ended Worst it. of Trek episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the clips were terrible bits. Yeah, so where they picked the worst bits. It's like we're on the pleasure planet with lazy people. Oh, I suppose that's right. Do you want a good clip show or a bad clip show? Yeah, this is meant to be all the worst clips. It's the worst that's gone. Girls gone wild. Yeah, Dennis Norton presented that episode, didn't he? But yeah, you're completely right. This essentially sets trend because every season of TNG after this does this of like the two part finale premiere go yeah. and now the conclusion yes uh, but yeah. why did you last time on Star Trek The Next Generation <laughs> oh I love her it's, it's uh, yeah. always her I love, I love her yeah. I, I, every time I see it at Star Trek where they have, they don't have her do that mm. it feels wrong yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's Gene Roddenberry's wife and the voice of the computer is always the person oh, is it? previously oh. on Star Trek yeah oh okay also plays Major Deanna, Deanna Troy's um, yeah. mother yes. and uh, doctor in the original right yeah that's right why yeah. did you pick this not episode, but two episodes. Two parts. Never, never not. Well, honestly, <laughs> I'm greedy. This is basically yes. it. Because obviously, we talked about uh, First Contact, which is directly following on from. Yeah, the very much so. Episode. Yeah. I've talked about Next Gen before. I wanted to do something else. I was thinking, oh, I'll do some cool left field one. Like, I'll do something funny. So I, I seriously considered Little Green Men from DS9, DS9, which is a wonderful episode. Yeah, just very recently clever. watched I have. Yeah. That's a brilliant episode. Mm-hmm. I considered Relativity from Voyager because it's just fucking fun and it edits out all the boring characters of that show and just concentrates on what's great and it's got a cameo from the fucking Dutch man from The Shield and like oh, at why amazing. else would you want to watch it? Jay Kearns? Yeah, like just elevating Star Trek in a tiny role uh, and I also I was seriously considering The Descent Part 1 and 2 Ooh, which is a later uh, Ronald D. Moore episode which uh, I basically was considering just because about three plot lines in it are directly being referenced in the new Picard series. Right. So I thought maybe we could just cynically use that to talk about Picard. But then I rewatched it and it's a bit flat. Mm. And I did used to watch a lot when I was a kid. There's some really good Brent Spiner stuff in it. Yeah. Brilliant, like dark stuff with data. But then I just thought, what did I watch the most when I was a kid? Mm. And it was the VHS tape of this of this two-parter, which I never knew was a two-parter. I'm really excited to hear what you guys think. Is it ha- edited together? It's edited together. Oh, to it's make a feature. One feature. And what's really stunning in re-watching it and doing a tiny bit of research is that it was never intended to be a feature-length film. 
and it, and you cannot tell that they took a fucking hiatus in the mm-hmm. middle of it. It feels like one. And I guess when you learn that, you're like, holy shit! Imagine waiting three months to find out what happens after mm-hmm. that cliffhanger. Exactly, and the fact that like Shelby's hair doesn't radically change is a miracle. Like, <laughs> yeah. do you see just how precarious that situation is? <laughs> That's you like like you can't get a new series of Friends without Chandler going to fucking rehab. I am actually rewatching Friends at the moment for the first time since it was on mm. originally. Like I know it gets shown every day on every channel ever, but I've only ever <laughs> since it was actually on TV caught little bits and pieces. Uh, so I am actually properly rewatching it at the moment. I just started season seven mm. and fuck me, watching the first episode of season <laughs> seven, literally like two minutes after finishing season six, yeah. it's it's literally set seconds after the yes, end of season six. Yes. And it goes from Matthew Perry looking pretty heavy and large yeah. and jowly and like he's Hell. got a painkiller addiction yeah. to season seven. He, he looks like he's lost one whole man <laughs> of himself. <laughs> and he's now like really thin, like cheekbones yeah. like that. Everything like he's looking fresh faced. He looks 10 years younger than he yeah. looked five minutes ago. Mm. And it's meant to be the same day. And he's got a huge tan. Like he's like, he looks like he's been to meet Orca. <laughs> what you going to say something elsewhere, right? It just, like, and he's got a huge cock. Yeah, he's yeah. had a dick for a placement as well since. <laughs> That's where the man went. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about this as being like from a non tricky perspective. Mm. Me and my brother uh, were introduced to Star Trek via my father and my sister who would watch uh, while we lived in America when I was six and seven. They were addicted to this when it was on TV. And then I remember all Star Trek through it being on TV after The Simpsons, you know, in the mm-hmm. UK. And also the from film? the odd fucking banger episode that we'd have recorded on tape. And so that's my love of... I've, there are some episodes... There are lots of episodes of Trek that I've never seen. But there's a bunch that I've watched over and over again. And this is probably, like, per capita... Mm. the most I've watched and I just love it and you figured and with this run of episodes we're doing you figured someone at some point is going to pick oh god some, some empire, some empire fucker is going to take it I've got to I've got to, I've got to well, jump on this well your first choice was Chain of Command was yeah. it and I was like James Dyer's already got it yeah. <laughs> fuck oh, so with the, with the tape edited together like uh, you may be robbed for many years of the yes. of the actual cr- the music and then the kind of dun, yes. dun, dun. how do they handle that like well, music transition I can tell you yeah without um, being able to cut to like a credits would you want to get straight to that now do you want yeah, to go through the episode just, scene by scene well right? let's get to that later then perhaps it probably yeah, okay. yeah. So, it is such a great moment but I know exactly what, what you mean, mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well because I know somebody who said they've seen The Godfather when they'd only watched The Godfather complete saga Godfather saga oh, okay. yeah. one and two edited together in chronological order and I was like you've not seen The Godfather <laughs> Like you've seen <laughs> bits of it rearranged in some yeah. kind of hodgepodge way, but that's not the film. Yeah, it's it's just, like, so it's like the bizarre. film that won best editing or whatever. That's not like mm-hmm. you saw. I hate it when like the original version of something that won the Oscar for editing isn't available in that version. Mm. Armadeus, for example, mm. um, mm. and uh, what? Yeah, like um, you can't get the uh, the original. Armadeus. No, only the director's cut. Like, oh, that's now. fucking. Wait, so the director's cool. cut and the other one. There's a third, which is original, original. No, the theatrical version is like what won all the Oscars, and then it's right. like when it got redone in the 2000s. That's been mm. the version that's been released ever since. Wait, so uh, I think I, I have that version. I've been been stopping myself from watching it because it's not the original. Yeah, I, hate I mean it's great. I, I I've only ever seen the director's cut, but I was like, I would really right, see okay. it properly, like the mm. way it was. Intended. Oh yeah, so I yeah, because I I borrowed Amadeus off you yeah. definitely. So that was director's cut. Yeah, and yeah, that was great. Yeah. So what yeah, you saying? Theatrical cut better? How, How much longer is it? Oh, it's shorter. 
Like it's like the, the, the director's cut is much much longer. And... Oh well, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is interesting actually. Just a little teaser for later in the episode. The version that you guys see has like ten seconds extra footage than the version I saw. Oh, okay, okay. So this was written by Michael Piller, Trek legend. Uh, obviously, wrote loads of episodes of TNG, uh, co-creator of DS9 and Voyager, and wrote the screenplay for Star Trek Insurrection. But we're not yeah. hold that against him. Uh, although <laughs> I, I would say Ronald D. Moore was script editor mm-hmm. on these episodes. I would say there's definitely a touch of Moore yeah. in here. Like very I mean, this, this is becoming it's a very Moorish episode. Uh, a kind of trend because obviously we covered in the Pale Moonlight recently with Andrew Keats, and that was another one where it's written by someone else, but Ronald D. Moore blatantly did a good yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got a lot of kind of added credits on the yeah. right. Yeah. He's, he's often in he's that credit. In the <laughs> uh, directed by Cliff Bowl, uh, another kind of veteran of Trek, directed a combined 42 episodes nice. of TNG, DS9 and Voyager, um, but not quite up to the standard of our friend David Livingston, the most prolific <laughs> track director oh. of them all, who we interviewed on this show previously. But he did also direct an episode of The X-Files that we're big fans of, <gasps> oh, yeah. Paul. Bad Blood. Yo, uh, oh, the vampire episode, episode with Luke Wilson oh, guest yeah. starring, which has one of the greatest pre-titles of yes. anything I've ever seen, yes. where uh, Mulder is chasing a man through the woods and then he stakes him. Yes. Scully turns up, it's like, what have you done, Mulder? And he's like, well, look, he was a vampire and he opens his mouth and he's got the vampire fangs. And then they fall out yeah. and it's fake vampire fans. It's a fake! And it cuts, <laughs> and it cuts to the uh, credits. No, it doesn't. And like, Mother says, Oh, yeah, you're right, and that it's makes it so even better. Crazy. That is a fucking so wait, great. It's episode. just an episode that starts with Mole just murking some guy. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. A yeah. So, so, not only has it got the, one of the greatest openings in X Files ever, it's also really funny. Also, it's kind of an unofficial Rashomon style episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yes. got Luke fucking Wilson in it. It's yeah, because the whole thing is like you get one, it basically. Skolder. 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 That would be the shipping name. Skolder and Mully. It sounds like an IPA brand. Waiting outside Skinner's office. like, And he is... Skinner. They basically get their story straight because obviously he just murks somebody. And like, and they basically decide, well, he tells it his way and she tells it her way. And you get to see how they envision the previous events. And it's just such a genius episode. Because, you know, how they view Luke Wilson yeah. is so different. Like, it's, it's hilarious. Is this, is this well, a bottle this episode is, isn't it? Is it? Because no, it's, it's, it's the season, it's the last season before the film. So, oh no, so that must be 98, mustn't it? Yeah, 97, so, Yeah, 98. Like, yeah, 97, 98. So he's still um, like Rushmore, in yeah. between like Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaum. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 literally. So yeah, season five, yeah, great episode. This uh, this episode today, Best Both Worlds as well, he's saying about Michael Piller, it's quite a personal episode to him because he considers it to be Riker-centric, which it very much it is. is. Very yeah, much. But it's, it's related to the character quandary of whether or not to leave the Enterprise, which he was also going through because he mm. was it relating it to his experiences as exec producer on this show. He wanted to move on to other things, but was he convinced to stay <laughs> by Gene Roddenberry and Rick yes. Berman. 
Yes. Do you remember? I guess Roddenberry's still yeah. alive at this point. Then, it was just before he died. It was right. literally one of the last things he did was uh, uh, implore him. Was to say, please stay, Michael. Well, no, essentially, because apparently he uh, he wrote this episode mm. thinking, it's, and it blows my mind that he wrote the first half of this episode not considering that he was ever going to finish it. Yeah. It's insane when you view it as a piece. That, that he was like, oh, I guess I'll just make it so we essentially kill off Picard. But that is a um, thing yeah. that people tend to do. If yeah. they're leaving a show or something like just that. Like, sort this mess out. They, they will, or, or anything, any kind of writer's run, where they're any, and they know someone else is going to take over, yeah, yeah. there seems to be a weird tradition of writing the next uh, writer into a hole. Yeah. Like, because it, Aaron yeah. Sorkin did that when he left the West Wing. Like, yeah. for, he ends it on a big cliffhanger, doesn't mm-hmm. it, for them to sort out mm-hmm. when he... Leaves like it's like yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would make West Wing much Terrorist better. Like, Terrorist enter. Should just be like Jack, Jack Bauer shows up and it's like you deal with it. Or there was I remember like uh, obviously one of the most famous comic book runs ever is Alan Moore's run on the Swamp Thing, hmm. and the writer who left before Alan Moore took over killed Swamp Thing Whoa. like literally oh went God. dropped the mic yeah. he knew someone else was taking yeah. over from him and the last episode he had someone literally blow Swamp Thing away <laughs> the last shot is like it literally him blowing his head like, yeah. into like a fucking melon Brain and then he's like write yourself gone. out of that motherfucker <laughs> like drop my <laughs> I think it's the most that thing day where it's like you know he goes off the cliff and the car's like he might be okay and then he bursts <laughs> 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 The only time when I really respect that in a show actually is when they know they're not getting in another series. Like uh, one of my favourite series growing up was um, by the writers Glenn Morgan and James Wong who did a lot of X-Files episodes. They did Tombs and um, Mm. a bunch of stuff with Lone Gunman I think. And then they did um, uh, the Final Destination movies eventually. But they did this wonderful show called Space Above and Beyond which was basically like the the Second World War in space and it only Mm. lasted like one season. But in the last episode, they just kill half the characters because that's fucking war, man. And it's just brilliant. And the episode, the last two-part is called If They Lay Us Down to Rest, Tell Our Moms We've Done Our Best. (laughs) I fucking love that. Well, it's weird, isn't it? Because in those days of network TV it would have been essentially breaking the rules to kill off leisure, to do something that ballsy and daring. Yeah. There would have been so many contracts and different things. And it was that time when, you know, the network and like selling adverts and stuff like that would have ruled everything. So the only time you would get to be that fucking ballsy would be if you're like, we know we're not coming back now. Quickly kill everyone. Yeah. Like and so you actually get to do that. It's, it's, it's actually really sad because it just reminds me of uh, um, the Batwoman comic where the entire creative team left because they wanted to make sure that the character actually could marry and stay with her love interest. Uh, uh, but the but the DC were like, uh, no, we want to reserve the right to kill the love interest and have her have other love interests. It's like, they just wanted to keep everything safe. They were like, no, let's get, let her get married to her girlfriend and keep that, keep that safe and solid. And the DC were like, no, we want to fridge them. You know what I mean? Or we want the right to fridge them at any time. <laughs> we so want the right to fridge. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But it's like the opposite of that situation of like, actually, we want to kill everyone. <laughs> you know, you, how dare you try and make it so that somebody's marriage stays solid and like keep it as part of their character locked in stone. <laughs> It's annoying to Well, me. yeah, with Converse, it is, yeah. especially superhero cons, a cyclical world of just killing off characters and then bringing them back yeah. every five years. That's kind of what happens. Yeah. But 
but we're, the we best keep, of going, both yeah. worlds. We keep going off topic. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yes. So you picked it because you were like, this is the fucking gold standard. Yes. And also, it's it's just it's just so good. Mm. And I rewatched it twice. I watched it a week ago to see if I wanted to talk about it, and the answer was resounding yes. And then I watched it last night with my friend Louise. Um, really late at night I just got in and I was like oh, I'm doing this podcast tomorrow she was like I've actually been re-watching TNG yeah. let's just watch it right now and I did all my notes then and so I got to have the experience of like just me and my mate going like oh I want to I wish I had that uniform it looks so comfy <laughs> like it's actually just enjoying it how so it's supposed to be set up the plot of this episode right so what's uh, going on what's going on is that uh, the Enterprise is called to an outpost and they beam down to the planet uh, the away team and they're supposed to be in the middle of town of this colony and they look at it, and instead there's a beautiful, beautiful map painting. Yes, that's my first note. Oh, is that a fucking map painting? Mine too, mine too. At least the art gallery's okay. Gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god. I t- tell you it's what, some, some of those map paintings mm. it blow me away because they are so convincing, mm. of that era, where they are that... You thought they were another world, yeah. I thought it was location shoot, was this? I thought it was an effect or a location. It's like Star Wars. You just flip a filter. Yeah, yeah, that crater. It's also the beauty of shoot. Actually, you know, a lot of old televisions shot on film. Like it just sells, man. It's beautiful. There's a little bit of like rock rubble in the foreground. Yeah, that moves with it. That moves a bit. Multiplayer photography. Oh, fucking love it. And they basically the colony has been completely uprooted. There is nothing left. They fucking somebody has akirred this fucking shit and taken it. And uh, and this is where we realise that what they've been fearing for an entire season after the events of uh, Q Who is it Q Who yeah, yeah. Uh, has finally come to pass that the Borg have reached the Alpha Quadrant. The Borg. You're so right. It looks amazing, doesn't it? I mean, especially spruced up in HD, which obviously you can do because it was shot on film. This show looks fucking gorgeous. It's still... I always have to remind myself this was a show that started in the fucking 80s. Like, when would this This episode be broadcast? 1990. So, I mean, literally just come out of the 80s. And to think that this is now 30 years old. I mean... There was nothing on TV that looked this fucking amazing. If you look at most network shows from the early noughties, outside of the big budget stuff like Lost, it looks like trash. Yeah. But it looks worse than this. This looks so cinematic. But, I mean, the way it's filmed as well, yes. like, in terms of it looks so cinematic, looks so high quality. Like, the, the effects, a lot of the effects... In this, often blow my mind. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Like yeah. I still think all of the model sequences of the mm. ships all look stunning. Yeah. The and like the, itself, the, 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 the yeah, and the Borg design as well. Because I just remember I was trying to think back to when we did Last Contact because that's probably the last time. First, first Contact. contact. Last, no. First content. What, what is this? Is a Stallone <laughs> sequel? Just, yeah, last contact will be them getting because of the success of a card, then getting the whole TNG crew back for another film. And, it, and, it, and in my head, there's like a visible difference between film version Borg and TV Borg. There is a difference, but I, in my head, I was thinking, oh, the TV ones must have looked like they just slapped on a few bits of plastic mm, and shit, but yeah. they still look bloody they great. Still look That's fucking good. good. Yeah, like, yeah. I remember this seeing like stills the of these, and I was wondering like, how would they hold up? Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they are doing with obviously a TV budget, and they they look pretty good to be yeah. honest. I think the fact is they had to redress quite a few because I mean they're mowing them down with their phases yeah. at yeah. some point, yeah. and it's like you know they had to redress them. And even in first contact, they only like had eight or nine Borg costumes. It's crazy doing it around. Yeah, so it's like, but you know, you can just that next level of makeup. You yeah. just go a little bit more on the face, yeah. can't they? But it's it, other than that, they really all the animatronics on the arms and stuff like that. Mm. That's really. 
and the walls, like when they're on the ship, it's yeah. almost like uh, aliens, like they're kind of almost bio biotech. Yeah. The the well, they are. They are coming out of the walls. It feels like yeah. yeah it feels like that. Well, the one thing I didn't know is quite know where everyone this is. This is the episode yeah. that has the bit where Geordie does the barrel roll. Yeah, yeah. Out, yeah, Which they repeat in his first contact labs, isn't it? No, no it's generations. generations or oh, something. Fuck it. Which and so the difference is visible. Yes, we created a gift for it back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, oh, it's that moment. Tell our listeners about your gifting. Oh, it just was like a TV (laughs) TV budget versus movie budget for stunts. And it just like, you know, where... In this episode, like Jordy uh, has to you know, get out of engineering quickly, and the door's coming down. And he just rolls under it with like maybe a good five seconds. Yeah, he could have walked <laughs> under yeah. it. He could have just carried on walking, but he does a, a, a yeah. you know a tuck and roll. Yeah. And in the movie, it's like yeah, he does it's a, like shaky it's, cam it's, and it's, it's, sparks. It's sparked that Indiana Jones would have been proud of that roll. Uh, and like push in as well. <laughs> the thing, yeah, the just just the other side, and just whipped it back. You know, like, and then we like, how did he see it? And he, <laughs> uh, yeah. in, the, in the film, in the film when he goes he in, his arm is crushed. Yeah, that's how Johnny lost his arm. In the film, when he rolls under, he kind of lands like MC Hammer. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that stands out as being a bit TV. My favourite part is the is in the TV show where you see him like look around as if to be like, are there any girls watching? Before he does it, he has a good like second just to kind of give everyone a little look to see. I'm about to do the roll. I'm the only guy evacuating engineering. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> but you're right, Steve. This is... Yeah. S- Luckily, I'm safe. <laughs> Everyone else is dying behind Well, that's a guy of good people down there. <laughs> yeah. He actually says that. He does say that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, like 11 people. Yeah. And I yeah. have yeah. yeah. to die. I'm going to the door. Like, you know, it's like, maybe we can get the fucking door open. Too late, you didn't roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right in the sense that this is essentially a follow-up to Q-Who from yeah. season two. Um, is this the first time we've seen the Borg since then? Yes. yes. They haven't had any other guests yet. No, it's it's very much a thing. And this is something I like about it because I think this episode is very cleverly scripted because, of course, back in the time it was made, there were no, this is not DS9 even, there were no big story arcs running through a show like Next Generation. It was very much each episode must essentially reset uh, with each one. However, what they're establishing here is a new idea hmm. of the finale. Now, this isn't last season where we just had a clip show for the finale. Yeah. They're going, right, so from now on, the finales are going to be big hmm. and there's going to be a cliffhanger and you have to essentially build that sense of an epic event hmm. in one episode. Yeah, it's not like now where you get an entire Netflix season kind of to build up to your finale. Yeah, you have to build up that level of mm. epic feel within the episode. Yeah, that's what you know, so, and I think they do that really well because they go right. Okay, well, the Borg were introduced in one episode mm. uh, last season. That kind of did end on an mm. ambiguous note of yeah. we know they're coming one day. Mm. We've got to prepare, and this essentially establishes. We have been preparing all yeah, that time, yeah, yeah. but they're here faster than we predicted, yeah. and now we're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if you have been watching the show and you remember that episode, you know the threat. You know what they're capable yeah. of. So yes. you don't have to go over it, and you get a sense of it very quickly anyway. Well, I think they they do something very clever, or at least I think it's very clever, which is that we we don't see anything of the Borg until they arrive. 
In fact, the first time you see them, they're this tiny little blob on the screen, and he yeah. has to say "magnify" before you see and them. Music, <laughs> the music. The first one you see like is Neo Gamma the, yeah. <laughs> the first one you see is the one that beams onto the bridge, right? So it's just suddenly like that's the first yeah. physically yeah, board, first yeah, board, that you yeah. see. Um, uh, yeah, because like it's Which it's is such but, an invasion but, but of their space. But there's something really great about you just talking about them before they arrive like it's just all we know is that everyone's shit scared mm. like if, if this was as you say some Netflix thing they would have thrown in some like needlessly glossy opening sequence with the Borg yeah completely spoiling no, it's the good. reveal it's, it's yeah. the aliens like a uh, comparison makes it again like in this version you know you get to see like um, just the hint of what they've done like mm. the damage to the colony yeah. like Hadley's Hope and, it's, mm-hmm. uh, and then you kind of just get a hint that they're out there mm. people mm. have been preparing for this and people believe mm. it some people don't Mm, and the magnify moment is definitely for the audience's benefit because when I was watching that and he goes magnify it's that people going well it's obviously the fucking board game it's not something else like you're just like "Mm, what is that it's just a dramatic zoom in it's just a rock (laughs) 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 but yeah it's like there we see it and like you say we've got the score here which is by Ron Jones great score in these episodes really good uh, Ron Jones went on to be the main composer on Family Guy and American Dad. Holy shit. Remember, sir, he's yeah, that is composing Seth MacFarlane yeah. wanting well, he the got, Star Trek guys. Well, he got fired for this show by Mick Berman, wasn't he? Like, what? Of, well, basically, really? he basically was too... Uh, like his music was too dramatic or too big for the show. I think it was. Oh, it was like yeah. Um, you know, Not was, in this episode. It was kind of like yeah. you know, it fits this episode. Well, they wanted music that like I think just like was more mood piece. So it's mm. like kind of like mm. background. He didn't want the original series where it needed to be like a bit more kind of stay. That was the start of the time, like X Files as well. A lot mm. more kind of. Sort of, yeah. Dark, ominous tone. Dark, but, ominous but, tones, yeah. but the, the, his but music it. fits this episode amazing. Oh, yeah, I think it's just by itself, really. It's just like, what? I mean, yeah, mm. this is but all you what need is that it? shot of the, yeah, you, you magnify the Borg and then these fucking Duel of the Fates chorals <laughs> kick in. And he says, Alert Starfleet Command, tell them we have engaged the Borg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. And that Picard turns around into that fucking great close up. Of, of, of just Patrick Stewart and he just holds that close up like a fucking boss see I can see if that same musical was used on an episode that was shot. just like them prancing about on some planet and doing yeah. not much it's just like Aah! you'd be like okay calm down the gauge the breen what you join me for poker Earl Grey hot that's what Cisco says when he steps on sand isn't it you were right in saying Steve that this is very much a Riker-centric story, Mm. which I think is another really clever thing because making Riker very much the central figure in the tale essentially kind of makes you forget about Picard. Mm. So when what happens in this episode happens, he gets captured by the ball. You're thinking Patrick's not asking for too much money. (laughs) And and you think, yeah, it's it's basically playing is that like tapping into the figures. You've got a whole year to wait. He might not be coming back. Yeah, he's like, "Uh, I actually have uh, started to unpack my bags. If you want me to continue... I'm going to need this much money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you're not expecting it because yeah. the focus has been on Riker. Yeah, so you're yeah, thinking, yeah. well, if anything big happens, it'll be to do with well, this Riker. Is, this is the clever thing with this storyline. So it's all about Riker. You know, he 
he's been offered captaincy on other ships, but he's mm. kept turning it down because there's loyalty to Picard. And so this mm. is kind of going on, and you realise the whole point is that he's going to get tested on it when Picard's taken away. Mm. So he's going to be put into that situation he's been willingly ignoring. Not only are you now thrust into being the captain, but it's, you know, you've got to save the world, you've got to save Picard. Your ship, and your so, crewmates. Yeah. yeah, and so that carries over into part two. And, and I would also, I would argue that it's not about saving Picard. Uh, but maybe we'll get into that later. But mm. I think I think you're absolutely right, and I think this is why another reason why I felt okay picking this episode, even though it's linked so heavily to episodes that I've talked about on this podcast before, because it actually it's it's heralded as the big Picard episode, but really it's a Riker. Yes, yeah, it's, it's true, totally true. Riker. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. brilliant Riker. Picard episode. stuff comes in family, really, yeah. Yeah. in terms of where they deal with the aftermath. Like, this is far more, as you say... Um... Picard's the damsel in distress. <laughs> Who becomes the villain. Yeah. It's like he's the, he's the person to save or kill, and that's the choice Riker has to make. He's Darth Vader. And I love yeah. it. I love it that Riker is the one going, I'm going to instantly make those hard decisions and just say, screw him, basically. And these like, other people yeah. have to say, hang on. <laughs> he's, like, he's like if Obi-Wan became Darth Vader. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That, it's like, I, I am the master, and now I'm the bad master, mm -hmm. and you have to rise above me yeah. if you're going to beat me, which yeah. is what you have to do if you yeah. love me. You know what I mean? It's this really interesting thing. This is building on something we've talked about on this show before. I think it was in the Generations episode that you brought up that Riker is essentially continuously stalling his own career yeah. for for this, which which only continues kind of yeah. thing. I mean, eventually... He yeah, joins the Titan, I think, at the end of Nemesis. Right. It's like, yes. And it takes How until the it? end of it. Yeah. He, yes. he, he never does a Sulu, no, I don't think. No, you no, never no. See, within the story of the show, we never see him do a oh, Sulu. Because in my head, I was thinking, this is season three, and I know he stays as number one for the whole seven seasons plus movie. So mm. if it's this early that he's turning stuff down, how do they keep contriving that he stays on the ship? Mm. By not mentioning it ever again. You get to see him wearing the four the four pips. Mm -hmm. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like he is the captain for a whole episode. Yeah. And I think the idea is just that he, he says to Picard, doesn't he? He says, you need me. You know what I mean? And it's like he just doesn't want to leave. But he has that wonderful conversation with Deanna in Ten Forward. Yeah. Brilliant scene. Like, really well-written scene. Because, firstly, I love the whole Seinfeld and Elaine, the we-used-to-bang dynamic between him and <laughs> Troy. It's always really nice. And they have a really grown-up chat where he's like, why am I still here? And she's, like, actually giving him, like, really good, like, counselling advice. What do you want? But, no, no, but then she says, yeah, what do you want? Well, right? Yeah, make any decisions for him. She lets him think yeah. come to his own group. But she yeah, also says, uh, she says, um, you're, you're happy here. You're happier than I've ever known you to be, which is such an interesting thing to hear yeah. from a, an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Like, uh, you're happier than when you were with me now. Yeah, that's and true. I'm like, what an interesting grown-up conversation. Oh, yeah. And, and for somebody yeah. to say in such a career-led industry, which Starfleet is, to say, forget about progression and what makes you happy. Mm. Do that. And if it's staying in the same role, then do it. Well, it's yeah. only career, isn't it? Because essentially they don't get paid. So yeah. that's that thing. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, right? Yeah, so the only the benefit of becoming captain is not a higher salary. No, it is. You might get a nicer Status. quarters, maybe, or something like that. Or but it is in France. Where you it's the responsibility, <laughs> like you say, the status of it. Mm. It's the like you know the idea of the rank. It's like what you should. 
be doing, yeah. basically, mm. rather than what like you want to do. actually, it's which is a really interesting idea but, but of no, like. But he wants to become an admiral though, because you turn into a douchebag. Like, yeah, so, yeah. you either turn into a douchebag or you die in a battle. Yeah, for yeah, exactly. the main ship. Gets yeah. the admiral <laughs> ship has been destroyed. Yeah, when does he <laughs> become an admiral? Oh, uh, in uh, oh, yeah, he uh, does, uh, yeah, most picture. But he doesn't want to be, and we can't really get him back when he becomes captain again. Right, yeah, right, so. right. So he's kind of like yeah. the uh, whole three fields are about him. Like you shouldn't be an admiral. Like your best position is here. He's kind of pushing against it essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. The other thing I love about that conversation with Deanna, they talk about um, Commander Shelby, who we haven't mentioned so far. Oh, yeah. The, the, the woman vying for uh, Riker's job. Ambitious young woman. But, no, I was going to give him kudos for this. On progressive level, he says, uh, you know, she has drive, ambition, impatience, taking risks. And you see, it sounds like he's about to say like that bossy little you know what I mean but instead he says where, 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 what happened to those qualities in me mm. I liked those qualities yeah. in me yeah. there's a lot of talk about her in the episode yeah. it's a full yeah. head of steam doesn't she but yeah, yeah. but it, I, I arguably think that it's actually not very mm. it's, it's, it's it, she's very much just her own person she's every bit his equal mm-hmm. yeah, she's wearing the red which is always great yeah. um, oh I agree just, with you, know, you completely and, yeah. and, and it's, it's just the thing and he's, his biggest problem isn't that he doesn't like her it's that he he used to be like that. He's better than him. You assume watching it hmm. that they're going to go down that kind of you know <sighs> overly ambitious young woman hmm. road, and she's going to get like humiliated at some point. Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't happen. Do yeah. And yeah. actually, all of the men, including Riker, are very impressed by yeah. her. Yeah. Like Geordie has that moment where he's really like, "Wow, she's the Admiral can't speak highly of her." Although he does say, just an old man's fantasies at one point. I'm like, yeah, maybe keep that to yourself. He wasn't around in the original series. Yeah. So. <laughs> you do realise the computer records everything. It's just like, <laughs> this recording will come back to him. Yeah. He's going to have to do a Cisco computer delete. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait, did I say that? <laughs> Scratch that last part. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no, I do. Yeah. And yes. Yeah, and Riker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Riker puts her on the... Uh, away team he, he yeah. makes her lead that as well so he's he comes around to it makes it very well. clear that he's just jealous of her the, the problem is his rather yeah. than hers yeah. and then by the end it's very much they've got a mutual respect going on and it's fine she's gonna she is gonna become a captain but on another ship isn't does she, she ever she come back like a first officer yeah does she yeah. come back no. I don't think so I really wanted her to uh, be in the most recent season of Picard when he goes into the Federation and has like a oh and Sierra up. as an admiral he has a, yeah he has a blow up argument with they can't uh, with bring the... everyone back Steve <laughs> no but, 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 but why can't they Literally, when there's what? so many actors what about the floating he used to clean the fogs bring him back <laughs> I hate that revolving door of like Starfleet animals but it's like you never get to kind of like see any of them twice they yeah are exactly that's yeah. what I mean that's what I mean it's like, you know, it's there needs like... to be some kind of like connection like really this yeah. show basically any actor who was acting between the years that this show was on has been on this show yeah. like that like it seems weird to me to see an actor who hasn't been in Star Trek yeah. show up in Star Trek because I'm like how have you not already been in it in 1994? Right, right, like, right, get, get somebody it, right. who was in in it. Like, we get what, yeah. the Federation must be dropping like flies. Like yeah. every every time there's a I, I get attack, your thing. Almost yeah. like, well, it's that argument of why not make it that character? Well, like, if there's yeah. a character from the show's history yeah. who would fit that role, yeah, Shelby. Like, why not an make animal. it that yeah. character? I do, I do get that train of fan thinking. I yeah. do yeah. because yeah. I am a fan myself. Well, when I first saw her, I was like. He recognises her, he knows her by name, 
I'm like, oh, I bet it's Shelby or something. I, I've DB'd it immediately, but I wonder if that's Shelby, and it isn't. And I was like, fuck. Because I, I, I'd already, you know, they made me think it was somebody from the past, but mm. it wasn't. And I'm like, why'd yeah. you do that? Why'd you make me why'd think? Why'd you do that? To me? Why'd you play with my emotions? <laughs> Akima. <laughs> Just quickly, uh, Picard, you are watching it as I it am. goes out. Yes, I yeah, am. So how many episodes have you watched? I've only watched the first three. Okay, well, none of us have watched any. Okay. And we're keeping non-spoiler at the moment. Very we're well, just right. going to watch it all when it kind of... All, has, all it's, good. The end of it's, it's good. It's good. It's got the beating heart of Next Gen with, like, Discovery book uh, production day. Okay, cool. Like, Sounds great. Just, just lovely to see him again. It's 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 very much modern modern screenwriting. Yes. In a way that slightly irks me, and then it's like instead of just letting a story unfold, we're gonna have three episodes of characters standing in rooms talking about the plot unfolding. <laughs> so there's a bit of that, and you know, but um, I am enjoying it. And I'm Good. Happy to You're see saying about Shelby back. and uh, Wired in 2016 ranked Shelby. Uh, as the 56th most important character of Starfleet within the Star Trek science fiction yeah, universe. 56? Out of everything. It says including both films and TV series. Who's 57? I think she had like an extended... Yeah, how many Starfleet characters? I think she had like an expanded universe like storyline or something like you know, in the book. Right. So well what year? Like, yeah, I just think 2016. she deserves better. To 2016. So if we think about the fact that there's like what about a main cast of like seven characters on each one, yeah? Like so, what? That's probably after all the cars. <laughs> well, there's like and then forty-five inept admirals ahead of her. Like. Yeah. <laughs> well, in terms of like meaningless rankings, like Radio Times as well rated the the scene presenting Picard as Locutus as the second greatest scene in all of oh. Star Trek, behind only Spock oh, okay. and Kirk's final scene in Wrath of Khan. Ah, but wow. which scene? Do they mean the scene where you actually see the it for scene the first where he time, turns or when that, he's on the when he turns around? I imagine that is. Oh, okay. Yeah. That is what was number one? A plus scene. Uh, mm. Spock and Kirk's final scene in Wrath of Khan. What, including the films oh, yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's pretty, that's pretty, yeah, so it's the highest rated scene in all the TV shows. That's, that's, yeah. that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think, I think with this episode, we're constantly... I even felt this when wondering whether or not to suggest it for the episode, is that we're constantly battling its iconic status as like a fan mm. favourite episode. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah it episode, is iconic. This episode yeah. is cementing its greatness anyway, because obviously we have the one of the greatest cliffhangers ever coming up. But even before mm. then, kind of halfway through this first part... You've got like you know the, the initial face off of the Borg, then the chase through the nebula. You got oh. Riker and Wolf fighting those guys and getting well, they're complete wimps. <laughs> yeah, they get completely battered. Uh, yeah, I love yeah. it when, when Riker just gets up like, oh, I gotta go punch this guy. I love when <laughs> he just walks towards it. Really, I love any moment where someone gets thrown across the bridge. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's so great. But that's but the Borg do feel completely unstoppable and overwhelming and there's a mystery around them they're so advanced so alien yeah. and it really does feel I me mean, especially when they kind of they present this idea in the first episode of they've all worked hard to basically make advances in their technology so that they can potentially at least stand a chance against the ball yeah. and then they present this idea of okay they've done that but as soon as they engage the Borg, the Borg adapt instantly. So yeah. it is literally like they get basically one shot and then the Borg are like, we've adapted already. It's like and chess against the computer. Like, because it's yeah. that thing of going, yeah. we go, this episode is about a year and a half after the last time we've seen them. And you go, right, so they've spent, what, 18 months prepping yeah. for the Borg. 
And as soon as they do it, everything that they've been working on is is gone. Yeah. Like it, it, it fucks immediately. Yeah. What are we gonna do? Shoot my face? Because like the board catch them in the beam, they start cutting them up, and they literally have an Eric Barrymore where they're just like fuck everything, <laughs> and that's the only reason they get like out of the clutches of the beam for like the first encounter. And that bit, run, re- that like, bit really made me laugh into the nebula because Picard does go like. Fire all weapons. Yeah. It cuts to like the exterior shot. It's just like pew 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 lasers into this beam, <laughs> and then they manage to run away into the nebula. I like the fact that the Borg asks for Picard by name, mm. and he's like me, <laughs> like because it's that scary thing of I think he doesn't expect them to know who he is yeah. but it's like because of the way they kind of you know reface it they already have learned who he is everything about him and so it is that thing of going like it feels like there's no place to hide it's like yeah we're calling you out mate, yeah. and you can't yeah. hide behind the Enterprise yeah. anymore it is, it is scary you feel mm. like they're so outclassed In- interestingly uh, I wrote down this is actually the first time we hear them speak in the episode where they are established they're oh. silent I don't, I, I, at least I, th- mm. I think I've got that right I remember that episode very perfectly mm. um, there's a couple of so this there's, introduces there's a couple the of is futile then canon there's canon Borg stuff that is only introduced in this two-parter such as using the word irrelevant yeah there's irrelevant fear is re- you know all those different using the word irrelevant resistance is futile is established yeah. here uh, the word collective the collective yeah. consciousness is used you will be assimilated is, is, it, is in the second episode oh, of you really just kind of expect imagine that all happened in the in Q Who don't you yeah right. and I and the voice the, that kind of doubled up or, or tripled or quadrupled or billioned up voice yeah. where they're kind of talking over each other I used to do that when I was a kid when I was a little kid I used to go up to um, uh, you know like when you get those big like oscillating fans yeah and I would just talk into the side of the fan and it would cut up my voice and it'd be like we will add your biological and technological <laughs> like that, you know what I mean I would, I would just do lines from this episode in fact <laughs> this episode is the only reason why I know the registration of the Enterprise because I remember the board going registration NCC 1701D so these little things are just like burned into my brain because I love that voice it's scary because they're just so there's this is another reason why I slightly balked at the Borg Queen when she's a because it's like I loved that they're kind of no one they, they, there's there's almost nothing to latch onto with them yeah. it's just like you say like you, you spend a whole fucking year getting ready for them to attack and then the moment they show up they adapt and they don't even give a shit and they're, they're just there's mm. nothing human about them I think the, 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 there's a lovely moment uh, later where Worf and Riker have a little confab and Worf says um, the Borg have neither honour nor courage that's our advantage mm, and I yeah. love that because it's like yeah. they've got everything except the human element yes and that'll be what we turn against them yeah, <laughs> yeah I love it also I just love anything where Worf and Riker are getting on yes mm. yeah yeah and the Borg's intentions are so like absolute as well. It's just like we're just, we're just we don't care about you. We're just gonna overtake everything. Mm. But there's something really I don't know like clean about that as well. It's like maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Just you're trying to improve everything by sucking them in. Mm. Um, but stop siding with the Borg. <laughs> yeah, I just I just love those Borg. Like yeah, this is so that's so on brand for you. You're always siding with the worst. Like this is like you and um, Ben the Knee Man. Like from Stannis. Stannis. Stannis did nothing wrong. Stannis Baratheon. Like you were, you were like, when he burns his daughter to death, and you were like, he had to do it. You would have bent the knee for Stannis. You would have bent the knee and then got all Stannis because I do so 
like, well, I'm doubting. <laughs> that is my king. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've got something about like bad guys doing well, that. What white? He's the hero. Oh my god, terrible. Just doing what he has to do, really. Like, uh, so, but I love the ominous nature of the writing in this. You know, I don't know whether that's pillar or more. But when Picard is talking to Guinan and genuinely considering that this could be the end, and he kind of relates it as just another yeah. part of history, like they're like the Romans before them will say just another people who'll be like wiped out yeah. and something will replace them. And I thought his way of thinking about it was so true to Picard's character mm. and so interesting, a very kind of unique to the philosophy of this show. Yeah. And it's just a fascinating way to think about it. And, and But at the same time, felt so really like, oh shit, this really could be the end. Like, it, yeah. if it was Picard's final episode, I would have been really happy with that scene. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah like, I, agree. Like, I touring, agree. The captain touring the ship on well, the eve of battle. He makes the Nelson comparison, doesn't yeah. he? So it's like, uh, you kind of yeah. the didn't come back from yeah. and, and also, the one thing I love about that scene is that Guinan's response is really bleak. She's like, well, the Borg destroyed my world and one or two of us survived, and as long as there's a, there's a couple of you, she basically goes full Battlestar. It is it. not overly yeah. comforting, is yeah, it? What she, she says. Like, and Picard literally yeah. does look at her like, she says it as if it's meant to be a good thing, like, oh, yeah. it's not so bad, like, as long as some, some humans survive, it'll be yeah. fine. And Picard, is like, Hmm, well, how about pour the fucking drink? Make it a double, uh, yeah. Yeah. One, one note I actually wrote down actually was just I needed to kind of do a little shout out just to how fucking good Whoopi Goldberg is in this show. She's very good, yeah. And it's kind, I sometimes, I think, feel like people forget that Whoopi Goldberg is, is part of Star Trek. Like, her character just feels so complete and just kind of she's almost like a spectral presence in the show she just shows up yeah. and, and it is complete and she's so a world away from the other type of roles that Whoopi Goldberg mm. did around that time in the 90s like comedies and like you know like. but and I just I fucking love her delivery the kind of the, the slow deliberate way she speaks it's just she's such a great actor and yeah. character she and brings the sense of a history for almost like Yoda like centuries yeah. of wisdom and just the way she delivers it you know that you said there's more to come afterwards mm. she feels like not there's no beginning yet or end here. That's just mm. she just go passing through history. Mm. Yeah, so she's kind of like the observer. Like yeah. no matter what happens to this ship, guy will be be all fine. Completely. And yeah. I heard my friend Louise said last night only she could pull off those hats. Yeah, so this episode heads towards the great cliffhanger in which Picard <gasps> gets taken, he gets turned, he bends the knee, he bends the <laughs> knee, and Riker turns around and says, "Fuck it, Mister Worf." But But before that, I just want to mention that because before that happens, Uh they Uh find out that the Borg are heading to Earth. Yes. And I personally think it makes the stakes feel so... Huge because of the fact that's where I live. That is, yeah. Yeah, is a, but in this show and in the original series of Star Trek, Earth feels like a faraway place. Like it doesn't feel particularly, even though we know these are human beings and a lot of them, not all of it, there are some human characters who come who were born on other planets mm. and stuff because of the way things have advanced so much. But Earth 
often feels like a kind of like almost abstract concept in terms of, oh yeah, we know that is a thing, mm. but it's not like the JJ movies where Earth is in danger in every film. Kind well, of thing. Like, you know. the Star Trek movies. Well, like, yeah. Okay. Motion Picture. Yeah. Star so Trek 4. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but well, no, but in that case, it's been established. Like, like yeah. we, we do have a feeling of like Earth as being important, yeah. but yeah. but because it, it's this future, the universe that it's so spread out. If they wanted to just nuke Earth yeah. and Star yeah. Trek, they could do it. There's enough yeah. humans on other yeah. planets. And then like, it, on a story level, Earth yeah. Earth is expendable. Mm. No, I think it's also like very presumptive of the Federation. Like, you know, it's like Sector Zero Zero One. It's like, oh, that's Earth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a bit like, the you know, yeah, we've got the sense that, like, Christianity rules the world. <laughs> <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree, Eamon. It does make it feel, in that sense, that this is another Star Trek movie. Because it feels yes. like Earth is in danger in a lot of the films, and that's what helps this two-parter feel like the big feature. It feels like their first attempt at making a TNG film. Like, yeah, their yeah. pitch for it, almost. <laughs> like, yeah. We're currently living in uh, 200 BC, before Cochrane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. Oh, World War Three first, though. Yeah, I'll yeah. Find. <laughs> shit. I do like the reveal of Bald Picard yeah. before we see him at the end as well. Yeah. In the sense of it's sort of almost throwaway, like they, because they're oh, not expecting like, to see him. You're kind of like, yeah. is, it, is, yeah. it, is it? And they t- that turn, it is a shocking moment. He looks oh, right down the barrel. Right That's there. one of my favourite shots ever. I don't know how, the, I assume he just has control over, like he could see where the laser was pointing and they were like, make sure the laser ends Oh yeah, it's right like when you're trying to point it at like a you know presenter's eyes or, yeah. or an airplane. Yeah. Anyway, so like every know, time that really little easy. laser yeah. wipes out the lens, it's fucking cake. I love it so much. But also they set up that twist really well because you know when they take they abduct him and they take him on the ship and there's that small scene of him talking to the Borg and he's like yeah. I will resist you with my last ounce of strength I choose death and, you yeah, know, I choose and, but, but, but that yeah. that doesn't feel like Don't it's gonna, yeah. no but yeah. it doesn't feel like that's his last scene for a while mm. like I, I wrote down my notes oh shit that's the last scene we see Picard being Picard for yeah. ages and, yeah. and because you think oh we're going to get a couple more scenes of them trying to make him do something or yeah. he'll be somehow present and, you, and, and then off screen he's turned into a ball mm. and that's yeah. fucking brilliant like it's like it's like something like, like a body snatcher now, remind yeah. me like because there's a scene where he's he's been assimilated but then they kind of assimilate him a bit more yeah he's, now does that come, that appear in part two that's in part two so yeah it's kind of like they're just still driving more and more humanity out of him like yeah. so it's kind of because it, it's one of the strongest bits the thing for me my memory was that part two was a bit weaker and it was mostly all in Data's lab and um, and it really is episode. Really is like, it's like there's a lot more. Go- there's Wolf Three Five Nine is in the or Fifty Nine mm-hmm. in the in part two, but that scene in itself is so strong because it's part of that kind of dehumanization of like Picard. Mm. And um, you know, one of the cracker set shots is just like the single tear of like, oh, yeah. which yeah. denotes that's like the resistance and he's giving his last bit, but it's it's failing. You know, you get the sense mm. the battle's being lost. When that happens, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's tremendous. Like I don't know how they did the de um, saturation on his face as well. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I really can't I imagine mean, being a fan at the time, seeing this go out and having to wait the summer of 1990 yeah. to find out what happened. And I I'd really love to know like how they advertised season four coming up. Like if they showed clips or ads from other episodes, or if they just literally pretended like piece two was done. Because mm. this because part two continues as if. 
he's definitely dead. Yeah. He's a lost cause. And they set, you know, continue to set up Riker as the new captain. Mm. Yeah, uh, well, apparently there was a lot of rumours that Shelby was going to be a regular cast member after this. Yeah, you, oh. you could see Riker taking Picard and Shelby taking over there. So mm. yeah, so let's talk about the cliffhanger um, a bit more because you know we've all been itching to talk about it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that is... Especially, I think, what's especially impressive about it is, like you say, this is the first time they've really done this. Yeah. In Star Trek, done done a season cliffhanger. And to come straight out of the gate with this yeah. is pretty amazing. It's kind of the wrap of car moment, mm. isn't it? It's like they, they're trying for so long to try and equal it. It's just not quite up mm. to it, isn't it? Well, yes. they, they've even reused the plates of the nebula used in Wrath of Khan yeah, yeah. for the nebula that yeah. they hide in. It's amazing. I think, I think it's the double hit. Yes. The reveal... That Picard is now full-blown ball called Lacutus, and you think, shit, that could be cut to credits, but then you mm. get Riker making the call to yeah. fire, and then it's credits. And you're like, whoa! Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately makes the call. In fact, they're, they're like, let's get the Admiral on the phone, see what he says. He's like, belay that order. Fuck the Admiral. We don't, we don't have any <laughs> time. He just wants to fuck you. Let's no, go. Let's, no, it's like, let's, there's not enough time. We've got him on the line. Uh, <laughs> there's not enough time. Well, he's turning <laughs> his entire um, dilemma into a literal thing in terms of all this time you feel like he's been stalling his career, mm. uh, his captaincy, because of his mm. loyalty to Picard. Let the pants and now Kill it if you have to. Yeah, <laughs> it is that. And now it is that thing of going, you know what, for me to become the captain, I have to kill yes. my captain. Yes. And it's almost that, Freudian. Yeah, yeah it's, it's <laughs> insane. And I've got to say, I, I've written just here, Franks! With yeah. three exhalation marks. I think he's fucking phenomenal yeah. in this two-parter. And I know that Frakes is uh, an actor. I think he's often got a little bit kind of mocked for his acting ability mm-hmm. in the show. And I think he's I so think he's someone who can, step, who can step up he's, for his episodes but can yeah. disappear into the ensemble if it's he's not about him. because yeah. he's suave. He's smug. He's got a smugness to him, which I think both some people the wrong way. But, but he's, he's the guy right. got the show. It's good, though, because yeah. in the tense, it does make him feel like you know, that's the person he was, so that it really sells him, like, trying to step up to the, the big chairs. Like, yeah. the, nobody wants smug Riker sitting in the captain's chair. Yeah, it's and a very... Like, so the mature bad. kind of person who's kind of lived through that, and now he's in somebody else. Mm. Um, well, I mean, like, for, for, even before he realises that uh, uh, Picard has been turned, he says, make it so. So he's already settling yeah. into uh, what Picard was. Yeah. And then that's what's so interesting, is that, yeah, like, the first thing he does is orders to fire on his own captain yeah. while they're while they've already floated the idea that we could get him back. Yeah. He, you know, he's not dead. Yeah. We could get him back. And then this is what's so interesting because it's such a good cliffhanger, but then the second episode and now the conclusion. This is why it, I, I'm I find it really unbelievable that it was written. I mean, because they, I mean, as you say, Ronbury got Pella back. Mm. He asked him specifically because the ratings for this episode were so good. He said, please come back and write more and also finish off that episode. <laughs> you know, give us a conclusion. So he did write the conclusion mm. and it feels really good because I genuinely believe that the, the, the story isn't saving Picard. It's letting go of Picard. And, and there's a bit where Guinan in the second episode says, uh, you need to let him go. And he's like, I tried to kill him the other day. Like, yeah. like, like, like I yeah. tried to kill him. It's like, no, it's not about killing him. Because in a way, killing him is it, it's also Easy. saving him. It's yeah. like, the thing you really need to do is you need to let go of him in you that makes you predictable to him. And he's like, yeah. by killing him. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. no. You, you, have to, you have to let go of you wanting to be him, of, yeah. of the idea of him. You have to become Will Riker, the captain. Yeah. Otherwise, well, you can't be you saying can't can't so. Be yeah. yeah, You can't be saying engage. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is things you've got to yeah. stop all that right now. Bring in your own catchphrases. Yeah. 
Get out of his bed. Two takes to the forge. <laughs> right up to the end. That's he... how the news goes. <laughs> I'll have a cup of coffee. <laughs> right up to the end, he is willing oh, to go. Cold. Extra. <laughs> <laughs> that extra mile iced tea uh, he is willing to go that extra mile to the very end because you know he has another choice Try the end, Perrier, please. Uh, to destroy the Borg and they're like well it might kill Picard you know and he's like I don't fucking care that's well I love that moment because that's yeah. when it's it's teeing up with them using data to hack Picard and it gets to a point where Riker starts saying the word of whatever the yes. order is that yeah, will engage yeah, yeah to yeah, like to destroy them all and then wait well, no, that's to destroy the Enterprise. They're yeah, yeah, to, to do, push, yeah, to do the chemical situation. Yeah, yeah, I love the Cooper Crusher's like, Sir, you heard me, Wesley. They won't protect this, but like, this will show them. That's actually my favorite Wesley moment, actually, in all of is that shot just before they're about to fly into the Borg ship, and you see him just get this kid getting ready to kill himself. Yeah, and you can see him not comfortable with it, but gonna do it yeah and and it's over it's like a high angle over shoulder shot yeah i think that's the thing you could lose those moments like they're they're, they're really the actors are living these parts Mm. for years Mm. and it's uh it's similar similar as like you know um kirk pulling out of space dock in motion picture where he's like his hands doing something really kind of like he's so on edge like excited about this opportunity to take it price back you know it's those kind of nuances in the boards like like you say wesley's just kind of it's just a a throw moment even the angle's not really emphasizing it yeah but it's there but also also like if you think about his journey to the story he's just gotten into star starfleet now he's an ensign so it's like this is what he wanted all along was to be in this situation and this is what he gets for it he's been uh, losing at poker this is the job kid yeah this is the job kid i mean i think he looks more sad about losing at poker than flying (laughs) his ship into the Borg cube (laughs) there's an extremely long like shot of him but crestfallen putting his head in his hands like he just tip the table and goes <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, when he gets that order at the end, he should have gone, I fall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he has a tell. <laughs> just to kind of back up further what I was saying about letting Picard go, once they have cracked Picard and, and managed to defeat the Borg, there's the question of whether or not to let the Borg ship blow up. Mm. And Crusher says, we don't know it could kill Picard. And he's like, no, we're letting it blow up. I don't care if Picard yeah. dies. Even though they've technically won, he's yeah. like, he still completely yeah. let him go. It's like, yeah. no... He would want me to blow up that ship. Yeah, it's still in Earth's orbit, and they could wake up any second. And it's, like, yeah, yeah. And it's, but they're too yeah. dangerous. It's yeah. only it's only by luck that Picard doesn't yeah. just. Well, that's what I really like that you know Star Trek always shows this society that's kind of gotten over the kind of war game attitude of of us now. But even Riker is able to recognize a completely intolerable uh, race that you cannot bargain with. So mm. he's prepared to say yes in this case. Blow well, that's space Nazis. Very like, interesting. You've got no yeah. chance. Like they will wipe out your whole culture, yeah. and there'll be nothing left except darkness in the galaxy. Yeah. You don't, so it's like even in his future, he's prepared to do that. For all intents and purposes, they've already killed Picard. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But that's very interesting what you say because I was thinking the same thing mm. when I was watching this. Even though I I've seen the episodes very recently before rewatching them for this uh, podcast. When I saw that moment at the end and they, you know, Riker was having the choice of, you know, we've beaten them, but now are we going to try and destroy them as well anyway, even though we've won? 
in my head, I was like, hmm, what happens here? Do mm. they have a d- philosophical mm. debate the where they say, as in, well, it is a new species, like, you know, should we destroy it? Is that right? Because, you know, I thought of Gene Roddenberry and his lawyer in the background <laughs> being like, you know, it's all, like, oh, you know, we're not sure, no conflict kind of thing, like, you know, this sort of meant to be about, because that's the kind of debates they have all the time in Czech of, you know, well, it's still a new species, new life. We should be exploring rather than destroying. But like you what say... What he needed was a book onto the ship to go, we, we can really learn something from people. We can like... Yeah. <laughs> but this is... I think this is... bad call. Bad But this, for me, is the Ronald D. Moore factor yeah. of this That's is it. him, his fingerprints on this, and which he will push towards more and more and then into DS9 more and more, and then into his own show, Battlestar, I think, because he is clearly much more like, no, conflict, 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 <laughs> yeah. and if you darkness, darkness, darkness. Well, he's, completely... he's got more of a cynical, he's, yeah, he's a realist. Yeah. If you can't completely destroy a mindless robot race, then who can you completely destroy? Exactly. Yeah. Well, technically, so... they let them destroy themselves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, they just say, yeah. We've, I won't we've... kill you, but I don't have to say Yes, you that's essentially yes. what it is. That's it. And They've also, by the way, we've brushed over this, lost their entire fleet. Yeah. Yes. Well, this is a really clever moment, I thought, because you presume actually the reason we don't see it is budgetary. Yeah. In terms of because that's clearly a gigantic space battle. Oh, we see it later on, don't we? We miss it. Well, yeah, but that's in First Contact, right? No, we see DS Nine. Oh, DS Nine. Well, you know, it's a few uh, more years later. Picard's off murking Cisco's wife. Oh, right. Yeah. Of course. Well, this is what I was going to talk about in the sense of actually, it feels in retrospect a really clever gap to leave because essentially we haven't seen Picard's wave of destruction mm. that he's had we, we only see the results of it and all it, like you know this kind of graveyard of ships Beautiful. essentially mm. and it allows the writers later on to essentially play with that and mm. plug in those gaps like in Emissary where suddenly you're in that battle mm. and you see the human cost of what happened well, and, I would say yeah. you get it earlier than that because I've watched Family just as to make this a full three-parter uh, just on the way here and I just feel like Patrick Stewart gives probably one of his finest performances in the whole show in the scene where he breaks down in the vineyard after that he fights his brother and you know explains kind of like he feels the guilt of the countless people that he's helped kill with yes. his knowledge and like he wasn't strong enough he was well, strong enough to stop them like and he he'll always feel that and that's amazing like scene and I think mm. it really does feel like this is a three-parter yeah. I mean it's not quite the, the uh, you know it's not the action pack finale it's not like a kind of quantum solace to its Casino Royale or mm. like that but it's, mm. it's almost like the last third of Casino Royale it's yeah. just the quieter kind of reflective well I'm glad bit. this one comes yeah. next because yeah this episode does end and you feel like oh this hasn't addressed what Picard's going through because mm. it could have ended the ending scene of him could have been more him feeling it but they're saving it for family oh I think <laughs> yeah. you see it on his face you, I think he's, it, he's looking out the window yeah I yeah. think it but heavily it, hints of the PTSD is now mm. clearly experiencing but it's, a, but it's enough that if the next episode was just another jaunt you'd be like oh they're doing a classic thing and just forgetting about <laughs> it which is yeah. so good that it isn't because yeah. actually this really is the first remnants of them building towards more arc heavy ideas as well like yes up perfectly I mean this is uh, and, and, and recurring to this day in Picard right. Yeah, in, I think in, it's one of the waves. Ten episodes, sort of like they recommended, would include family, you know, as yeah. like definite you know, pre-watching for for the new show. So mm. um, I think yeah, a lot of these characters really developed there. I'm just fortunate about the one downside. Family is they do spend an awful lot of time on 
you know, pointless subplots up in the, the ship <laughs> just to kind of pad it out. I think it's just like the network was balking at the fact you'd set the whole thing on Earth mm. and what if, you know, there needs to be some kind of space-like excitement, which there isn't. It's just people being shown around the ship. I'm sorry. The, turn forward. Yeah. 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 No, fa- I've seen Family as well, and that that is a really good, strong character-based episode. But it's um, like four scenes like, in the vineyard, which is like crazy. It's like um, with him and his brother. I mean, it's three whole scenes of his brother being an absolute dick to him. Yeah, his brother's yeah, a of amazing fastest. <laughs> like, but, I'm yeah. glad he burned to death in the generations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But he is though. It's one of he's one of those characters. <laughs> who you go his turn because what they have that big fight Stannis would have approved they have that big fight in the vineyard and then they kind of it's that classic they just start laughing and go ha 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 it's fine I'm like is it though he's a fucking dick like I, don't... I think it, like it no I think because you just get a sense of his history and there's like an awful lot of time spent before they've met isn't it so it's 20 years of pent yes. up aggression yeah. he's, he's absolutely on his ass the whole time and I think he just needed to break through that and it was it would feel a bit like too silly if they didn't Follow it immediately into Patrick Stewart's being very open and honest. Yes. About like actually what he's happened I think it just leads to that so beautifully and also it's you know it's when you've got an actor of Stuart's calibre. I mean, time and time again, he kind of sells so much stuff so beautifully yeah. in this show. But I think Frakes kind of steps up to the plate in this yeah. completely and, you know, holds his own. You know, the end of episode one, that dramatic kind of like pulling on his back and he's at fire is just, oh, wow. I mean, that's that? like shit just got real yeah, Bad Boys yeah. 2 stuff. <laughs> well, can, can, can I ask you guys now, now that we're talking about that that scene, like oh, yes. how, do you, how did you guys experience that as a two-parter? Uh, when did you first watch it? Oh, uh, when it went out, I think. Yeah, no, maybe on a rerun, like right. um, on BBC perhaps. Of, <laughs> right. Yeah, BBC rerun. So for you me probably as had well. the next episode coming the next week or something, but it was a cliffhanger. Yeah, and I think I think it's no because I remember they did it in in seasons. Oh, like right. I think because like on BBC they would like you know do a season, then there'd be a little break, and then they would mm. come show another one because there were. I mean, even on Sky, they were about a year and a half behind, a bit like oh. Home and Away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one of the many ways in which we had Star Trek and Home and Away. So I watched probably some, the late maybe five, six, seven as they went out, but I think the earlier seasons were being shown on for the first time on BBC. Mm. But again, sort of you know, in seasonal basis. So I think there was a gap. Yeah. And I remember having to wait to come back huh. to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, First season of TNG didn't show on BBC until the early 90s. Yeah. Mm. Like, even though it came out in America in 1987, literally. Yeah. I think it's 1990. Mm. I think because you can find the transmission dates for UK. Back in the world where no one can just online. chat with each other online. Yeah. So it would have been on Sky before, I expect, BBC. That, it's well, like this is why I'm lucky because I was living in America when, uh, around that time. So my family got into it in <laughs> California. And then came back here just in time for it to kind of start yeah. dropping in the nineties. I don't remember when it originally aired. I just my memory of it is from this feature length VHS cassette tape mm. we had of it where he says, Mr. Wolf, fire and then it cuts straight to, to the deflector, the deflector beam uh. firing up. It didn't even have that weird build up where it's like Ooh, yeah. like that, which is how the next episode starts. Yeah. Where there's that little lull. And I only saw that recently. I was like, oh, fuck, there's a little, there's a cut like 10 extra seconds of them like preparing to fire. Whereas in the yeah. original, in my my original like feature length thing, it's just fire and then bang. 
Yeah. Just and carries just on work. as if the scene's yeah. carrying on. But it's amazing, still an amazing But movie. I think part of the impact is the fact that it's a cliffhanger. Yeah. And a season cliffhanger as well. Mm. I saw it on BBC Rerun as well. I mean, you know, I uh, was not a big Trekkie or anything when I was young at all. Um, but obviously it was part of that mm. six o'clock BBC lineup of Simpsons, mm-hmm. Fresh Prince yes. and Star Trek. Mm-hmm. That was how it rolled. Snooker if the world yes. sucks. Yes, and some snoo- occasional snooker as well. And that is very, that is totally, totally that era. Uh, but I remember watching it on a rerun um, as part of that. And, you know, because this was one of those, I never watched any of the Trek series um, week to week at all. But I saw peppered episodes of TNG and DS9 in particular at that time. This was one of those ones that felt big enough that even I mm. realised it was like... I would have only show. seen it on Netflix the other year, following our first TNG app, probably, oh, when I started making my way through choice apps. So <laughs> I would have had it as a very short cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Watch next episode now. Boom. Snook was over TV too much then, is it? What was that stupid Jim Davidson show? Oh, Big oh, Break. Big oh, Break. It's only oh. a game, so... Put up a real good fight I'm gonna be snookering you tonight Snooker in you tonight. Turn on, break. You're giving me Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> I was set the feet. How dare you? It was one of those shows. That was one of those shows that was meant to be entertainment, and oh. we watch it just like it would be the kind of thing we would only ever watch if there's nothing else on because this was the day. If you did a fucking yeah. Sky Kids, yeah. literally you had four <laughs> channels. Jeez. That is. Fucking it. So we're basically going, let's take the most boring game and make a boring game show around. People now, with like the content society, where everything is available at any time to watch, (laughs) fuck. Me, the, the bullshit. You could, you could do Goodnight Sweetheart to the nineties now. Yeah. Like, you, just... <laughs> you, you could do a podcast about the bullshit programs that you we, you would watch at that yeah. time. Because you had no choice because no nothing else. Ever watch now? Because he's that thing of now. There's a fucking choice to yeah. not watch your thing. I, I think here we are talking about an episode from nineteen ninety. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Some things Our do choice? stand the time. Yes. Yes. time. Yeah, yes. a big break does not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Big brain oh, pod. Oh, I'm sure you're a good man. That's, oh, why hey, why David, did you do that to me? Yeah. Oh, well, this was a time where Davidson, Jim Davidson, was allowed on primetime fucking TV. Yeah, and now oh, you can't even get him booked in the Falklands. <laughs> 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 I'm just oh. seeing his little jig. I'm seeing his little jig that yeah, he does. Yeah, and John Virgo's waistcoat. Oh. John I mean, he's he's no. fully, uh, fully booked for the year at any Brexit party meeting. Oh, my so God. I'm sure. That'd be insane. But yeah, of course, one part that we haven't really talked about is Data fighting to get Picard back which, which is the part that you thought yes. you know that it was all about which it isn't but there are some pivotal scenes yeah. there and I gotta say I felt genuine fear for Data like mm. in this because you feel like well he's an android they're sort of android mm. in terms of they're you know and you feel like they could 
get him quite easily, yeah. surely. And you're like, are they stronger than him? Are they kind of, because we haven't really seen that. Because mm. he's the one who kind of manages to subdue Picard in the first place, <laughs> well, isn't he? No, no, he sends Worf in to get his ass beat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got the android strength, but you go and get your ass handed to you and I'll just unplug him while yeah, you're yeah, getting yeah. killed. Oh, Worf, <laughs> Worf gets battered a lot in this too far and yeah. often in TNG. But he has courage, which has, this is a very exactly. courage at all. In fact, uh, I wrote down in my notes, if this was an episode of Discovery, this would be a 10 minute fight between <laughs> yes. Data, Warf, and Quite Picard. right yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 I wish it was. Yeah, I'd that that yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that whole thing where you. I kept thinking there was going to be like an Ultron moment, you know, mm. where he would take over oh, and start like taking down Data. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like, um, so that bit where Data's arm just comes in and grabs Picard's arm and just it pulls it back. Off. Off. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love that shit. It's just yeah. sort of like, mm, I mean, let's rips the it. end of his Borg hand off so his hand is now only grotesquely long. <laughs> <It's just laughs> Data, Data is a fucking bad man. Yeah. Like, he really is, time and time again, there's so many moments I see watching the show and the films for this podcast where Data is so ridiculously badass, mm. like, in it. Mm. Like, his strength is, like, insane, isn't it? In terms of, like, he is mm. sort of... They often talk about, oh... And that's, I suppose, why it's scary idea of the board getting hold of him, because they often talk about, oh, if he went bad, he could essentially just kill everyone on the whole ship, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'd all be dead. Well, you play that card in First Contact, don't they? So it's like they do play up you know, yes. the Data element and the Borg. Like, there's this brilliant plot to be had, and they, they do that in that movie. They do. They and do. they also hit it in Descent, because when... Uh, I mean, yes. Descent is like kind of a precursor to that, in a sense, where it's got the Borg in it, but it's more of a kind of faction of Borg that are kind of disconnected from the collective and law... Data's evil brother is kind of using them as kind of foot soldiers mm. in his like uh, a, you know, war against like physical physicality or you know flesh against orga- or, yes. yeah, organic life. Long live yeah. the new flesh! Like yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that episode, that the thing that made me really consider that episode as the one to talk about was mm. the scene where he kills a Borg. He gets angry. They've the, he, there's a little spark of emotion in him, which is the first emotion he's ever really, truly, legitimately felt. And the Borg managed to seduce him over to the dark side by appealing to the feeling of pleasure that he got after f- killing somebody. Yeah. And there's this scene where he's like, you have a friend? What's his name? Geordie. Yeah. Would you kill Geordie? You know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. like, if you could feel that pleasure again? And he goes, yes, I would. And it's like, <laughs> fuck! Yeah. It's like, that episode, if it was just that scene, it would be worth But then the rest of the episode, I think it's really flat. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Just, it's, it's, just ones, like, it's just not fun. That's, but that scene is amazing. Yeah. It's a proper Royal D. Moore scene, well, I'll tell you that much. Part two, like, I was was what I kind of thought was the fun, the more exciting one of the two. Mm. And in some way, I thought Best of the World Part Two was not going to be living up to Part One. I mean, it can't because of that cliffhanger, but it's mm. so much better than yeah. I remembered. Mm. And it is like one great piece, but mm. Descent Part Two does slow down quite a bit. It's, oh, just, yeah. it's mostly that you know, I'm in a cell, uh, you know, waiting to be mm. kind of like toyed with, you know. Well, 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 also, it's kind of like there's a there's a bunch of potential in that episode that is never never delivered on such as yeah. data feeling emotions like rage he's like they're giving him all the but we did see that episode should have had him kylo renning out yes like yeah. on the reg yeah. like he's being fed anger and hatred and, and bitterness and all he does is just be a little catty yeah. he's he's supposedly torturing geordie but not in a way that's giving geordie pain so it's like there's a lot there's there's like a lot of potential for like meaty scenes mm. and they just yeah. they just don't do any of them in the modern tv landscape now 
it would be the cliffhanger of the scene with him be snapping Geordie's neck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's I mean, he's got what it would be. Yeah, he would. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it would be like, yeah, you'd be torturing Geordie. It would be losing his shit. It would be whether or not he's going <laughs> to yeah. kill Picard. It would be him experiencing almost orgasmic yeah. pleasure from causing pain. It would be so murky. It would be like, oh god. Yeah. Geordie spends a lot of time strapped to things being experimented on, doesn't he? Like yeah. say, in the movies as well. Yeah. <laughs> Although it goes a bit weirdly roots, like in that in Generations, where it's like he's got his top off, it's all sweaty, and it's just like, what? A few little stats and things. So the, the first episode won Emmys for Ooh, Outstanding yeah. Art Direction for a series. Sweet, sweet Emmys. Outstanding yeah, Sound. Not too bad for a sci-fi Not too award. bad, huh? <laughs> what, uh, what else did it win? Uh, outstanding Sound Editing for a series. Oh, um, yeah, these are total, like, sci-fi given ones. Yeah, it's like, shame, awards, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, it's obviously got best on, cliffhanger. It's well, it's got a lot of best. That went to cliffhanger that year. Twenty sixteen, the Washington Post ranked it as the number one best episode of Star Trek and said it had the greatest cliffhanger in television history. So there is a lot of ones pulling out the the cliffhangers, including the rap who said Riker's line, "Mr. Worf, fire," was one of the greatest cliffhangers in TV history. The, is there anything about the the ratings for the this finale versus the uh, premiere? Like, because I'm wondering, like, did how many people tune back in? Yeah, no, no, nothing on the ratings here, but I, I can imagine it must have pulled people I think back. The ratings were pretty huge for yeah. this episode. I mean, TNG is the height mm. of Star Trek's ratings, isn't it? And will it will forever be because it's like those nineties TV ratings when there's only like so many channels to the yeah, way it works. Because because exactly, yeah. didn't we say didn't we, when we did Voyager? Didn't, wasn't it that the pilot was the biggest ratings the show ever got as in it was the huge ratings for the first episode because mm. that time you know Star Trek craze is at its absolute height so the first one gets massive massive viewing figures mm. and it never achieves those again because mm. people watch the first one and they go boring yeah well and then also the writing starts to degenerate over mm. the course of the next couple mm. of uh, uh, shows and seasons where suddenly as a as opposed to next gen where a lot of the characters have prior relationships yeah. with each other sometimes sexual prior mm-hmm. relationships with each other and old friendships like Guinan says like we're closer than friends closer than family there's really interesting relationships and then in Voyager and Enterprise it's just like they act like they're a bunch of kids in the schoolyard. Yeah. They, they think, let's go to movie night with each other. They, they, like, they, it's like, a movie night Enterprise. Yeah, it's Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's yeah, just yeah. like, I fucking hate those episodes where it's just like, they basically just have no personality. They're like a bunch of toddlers walking around, <laughs> hanging out with each other. There's almost no grown-up relationships. There's some At more... me if you want, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I love all Star Trek. I'm a, I'm There's a some more Shelby love. Denna Geek ranked Elizabeth Denny's role as Shelby as one of the top 10 guest star roles on Next Gen, remarking that she did a great job of holding her own with the rest of the cast and portraying a capable officer. Mm. Yes. Nice. Nerdist ranked it the third best episode of Star Trek Generation. The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what, what show are we watching? Uh, Vulture listed as one of the best. Uh, yeah, there's obviously... It's, 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 it's included in loads and loads of fucking lists of one of <laughs> the best ever, obviously. <laughs> the cliffhanger thing is interesting, isn't it? In terms of... It's hard to define, like, best cliffhanger ever. And I think I think because times have changed so much now. Because now there's cliffhangers to most episodes of serialised television in many ways. Mm. So it's kind of like now there's a lot more to compete with. Certainly in the time it came out, 
the idea of a season cliffhanger was like who shot JR and this like you know what yeah. I mean like, who shot Mr. Burns it was like well who shot Mr. Burns is after who this? shot Phil Mitchell like, yeah, like uh, <laughs> you know so I, I think it's more the more like, went the Michael Mann route with Crime Story it's like you know we're not getting another season so we'll set a nuclear bomb yeah oh god <laughs> like it's, I, I love Crime Story season one but if they could just cut that last scene like, yeah just, and the last yeah. scene of season two yeah. and the last scene of season two yes. just like don't call me a <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, season two of Crime Story is is hit and miss stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's some great some moments. niche references here, but like, yeah, it's some of the craziest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, hey, I say Crime Story season one. Uh, yeah. That is a solid fucking season of TV. Is there, like, is there really? a way you can link that to Trek and get well, it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's fine. Like, it, it because that's the first to kind of introduce massive season long arcs. But Crime, Story, Crime Story did it first. But I mean, yeah. that that really was probably one of the first certainly american shows to do a proper season arc because that is season one of that is the entire see is is serialized kind of like you know each episode to each episode and building up to that penultimate this was one michael mann's series it's the series he did after miami vice okay um abel ferrara directed some episodes as well Mm -hmm. uh, the pilot the build-up to the penultimate episode, Top of the World, yeah, is uh, where the, the entire idea is set in Chicago 50s, uh, set yeah. in the 50s. Dennis Farina is the lead. It's him trying to take down the up-and-coming crime lord, uh, Ray Luca, who's kind of taken over. And the first half is set in Chicago, yeah. and the second half is set in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And, and so the whole main titles change when the show moves within the same season yeah like from a mm-hmm. Chicago set show to my mm-hmm. yeah, and you're watching show. the rise of Ray Luca from like nothing he's got yeah. an Al Capone-esque rise through through the ranks until he is the big crime lord of the end of the season they've got to take him down it is so fucking well done yeah yeah, oh, and it builds to the greatest penultimate episode of any season. Yes, <laughs> yeah. directed by Michael Mann, did that. Yeah. Only one he touched his yeah, hands on. But then the finale, I believe, like it's just a fuck you to the executives. So <laughs> he just said, "Oh, so not get seven season. We'll set off a nuclear bomb then." And it's like we're going to use the Nevada, like you know, testing thing. Mm-hmm. Just work that in somehow. It's so <laughs> crazy. It's, it's so it's crazy. So nuts. Well, do they kill all the ca- uh, all the characters? Well, there's the thing they should have done, but then there's they have a season two. They do get recommissioned. So they have to kind of wipe themselves out of the nuclear bomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's bad because what it's it is. Everybody got a refrigerator. Hey, yeah. Yeah. The bad guy of the show, Ray Luca, escapes right. uh, injured, and his loyal henchman, Paulie, very loyal, as Ray Luca at this point has raped and beaten half his wife. What? And he's still siding with him. Jesus. And he basically he wakes up in this car hideaway, like, you know, and obviously Ray Luca in his he, he thinks, oh, he found a nice safe house for us to be in. He's like, oh, where have you got me stashed up, Paul? He's like, oh, don't worry, boss. Found this great deserted place in the desert. And suddenly they look around. There's all these kind of like dummies in there. He's like that moment in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull yeah. where suddenly he realises he's in one of those houses with all the dummies. He's like, wait a minute. He looks outside and there's all these like fences with like nuclear testing site on it. And he's like, Paulie, you dummy, what have you done this time? It's like, oh, I'm so sorry, boss. Like, 
like a, yeah, and then they're trying where they're trying to get out and something all goes like a nuclear fucking bomb <laughs> and literally destroys everything and that's the end of the season okay. and what they thought was the end. Um, uh, okay. and this uh, was a realist like untouchable star yes, crime yes, up until that point alright oh, I tell a lie uh, this is the greatest cliffhanger ever <laughs> <laughs> well there's a bit in their head they were like oh we're not coming back okay. and then they were like oh reprieve season two <laughs> yeah. you've got it and then they have to write themselves out of that and bring those characters back the way it is Ray Luca now has white hair as a result of the <laughs> 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 but the there's some clinic and they're pulling shards of green out of him <laughs> like, like green glass it's like kryptonite like, yeah like, just like you know just taking it out his back it's like well, what? and he's got this white shock of like fine skunk. now and then, yeah, it just... well, then has a like they, later on in the season takes on a sci-fi bet with Paulie's dream the worst episode oh my God. ever yes I forgot about that which one which flashes back it's like Paulie Tagless dream where he has like some kind of UFO abduction <laughs> but it's like this is a this was a show that was like so Serious. So gritty. I mean, the yeah. pilot's directed by Abel fucking Ferrara, <laughs> the director of Bad Lieutenant and King of New York. is so hard-boiled <laughs> and crunchy. And then this is where it was... Because this was the time where it's like, you know, there's no clearly no tone Bible to this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or if they did, it got lost. It's like, is it really seen, In like, the nuclear of... explosion, yeah. right? Jesus Christ. We had Christ. one hard copy of it. Where's it gone? Yeah, and then they doubled down on it in the season two finale two by months. having a plane crash. Like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, which cuts before the plane hits the water. So it's just freeze frames as it's about to hit the ground. The water, that's the end of the show. Oh, <laughs> and then they were really Imagine like, if they had to get out of that one next time. It's like, we were fine. Yeah. The plane bounced. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, check out Crime Story. Yes. I don't know if it's available on any streaming service or anything like that. Uh, but first first season uh, you can't even get the original Amadeus switch switch off when Dennis Farina is on his knees shooting at Ray Luca's car as it escapes on the Las Vegas strip beautiful perfect ending to the whole show but yeah yeah, there you go that's where Michael Mann would have ended yes because he wanted to see is a deep Abel Ferrara commentary cut. Tarantino didn't mention the Abel Ferrara commentary in his episode, The Rewatchables. We're really going off. He's like the Rewatchables podcast. Recently, did three episodes with Kurt and Tarantino talking about King of New York, Unstoppable, which we've done an episode on as well. Listen to ours rather than fucking Tarantino's. What's the other film he did? Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Dunkirk, because he loves Dunkirk. And uh, yeah, he was talking about King of New York. And I thought of all people, Tarantino's the one who'd be like, oh, Abel Fry's done this amazing commentary to King of New York, which yeah. has got so many quotable moments, but yeah. he does not. No, it's a crime he did not touch that. Yeah, so. the Abel Ferrara commentary to King of New York. If, 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 <laughs> because you, you're much more likely to have heard the rewatchables of Kurt Tarantino in many ways. If you heard the episode, you thought, fucking hell, I've got to check out The King in New York. If you've now checked out and you thought that was great, there's an extra treat for you. <laughs> Go back, yeah. listen to the Ferrara commentary. You can hear such great moments such as, nah! <laughs> 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 you paid for this shit! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, back to best of thanks, thanks for tuning in to Spotlight, everybody. <laughs> Uh, I wrote a couple of more little notes down, but I'll just rush through them. Do it. Just little things. Rapid fire. What have I got? Rapid fire. Uh, Locutus is Latin for spoken or having spoken, mm. which is nice. Um, 
Oh yeah, I, I wrote down when they find his like uniform in a drawer. It's really funny because it means that he's off naked somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's not like, very well folded. Yeah, that's when Crusher got Crusher was like, "You you had my curiosity, but now you have I've got um, the cod pieces have been done by the Batman and Robin crew. Um, yeah. in, uh, the Locutus. He's got a nice little eight pack as well. I, I for a minute that. I thought you meant really. Like, I thought, fuck, that's a deep cut. Yeah, no. you looked into that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> also, I love the fact that like at the end when they've got him in the thing they've somehow managed to get the undergarment off without the implants yeah so now he's like naked it's like when you get Crichton naked in red dwarf for no reason at all like it's just really strange if it had been done by the yeah. Schum- schumacher batman people we would have seen some borg ass well i was pretty sure that I, I i always imagined that picard's got one little gray red ball sack yeah. <laughs> it always feels like in that last scene picard's got one little gray ball sack hanging out of one half of his uh, thing um uh, I've also got <laughs> that uh, the Admiral Hansen, who's actually really well played, he's a really good Admiral. Yeah, uh, he's good, he yeah. apparently uh, played God in Star Trek The Final Frontier. Oh, it's Murdoch. Oh, shit. Murdoch? Uh, his name? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, Murdoch. Reeves. Reeves. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Uh, I also have a uh, sexiest villain line ever from this time forward you will service us. I've got to say, also, I feel like Jonathan Frakes is. Uh, is hottest in this two-part. Yes. Well, the, uh, that was the other note I had was uh, after he uh, captures Locutus back, there's the ultimate smug mode push in on him <laughs> on the on the battle bridge just looking fucking oh, yeah, I yeah. love that. Cat got the cream. I love yeah. it so much. Smug mode. And yeah. I think that is it. Apart from uh, that I love the shot in the su- the shuttlecraft where it's Worf and Data and they're sat next to each other and through the window yes. you see them leave the shuttle bay of yeah. oh, yeah, one yeah. half of the Enterprise and fly past the other half of the Enterprise because of the the saucer separation. Just yeah. a fucking beautiful shot. Yeah, it's, it's all good. in one shot. I love a good saucer separation. Being yeah, and, uh, and seeing them like fighting like but, you know the Enterprise and fighting for two angles is really cool. Yeah, the shuttlecraft like. It's always those shuttlecrafts that get blown up. It's never the, the other yeah. later ones. It's just the disposable type, clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's good stuff. I really, I think the, the effects in that scene is really, really, mm. Mm. it's good, good attention to detail. Because that's the thing where they could cut corners and it just happens space behind it, but they didn't. Yeah, it's absolutely and, beautiful. So let's wrap up. Final thoughts, Paul. You say it's good stuff. I do say it's good stuff. I think it's, uh, you know, I always knew this was one of the, the finest episodes when I was watching it go first time around. It was always a standout moment. I kind of, now I'm seeing it years in in context with like all these kind of um, accolades it gets. It's just like making you know making it very clear to me that you know I was right first time. <laughs> Best season, <laughs> smug mode. <laughs> Best season finale of TNG. Um, yeah, I think it is. I, I, you've got some ones that try and swing for it, like in terms of redemption, uh, mm. part one with uh, the reveal of uh, Tasha Yar. So, oh yeah, that mm. is fucking good. Yeah, mm. and uh, so that's kind of like trying to get up there, isn't it? It's, but it doesn't quite mean it. Yeah, and and clever as well because that's mm. that's kind of going a different way about it, but it's a similar idea yeah. of character you know now seemingly yeah. bad guy. Yeah, Titan's Arrow is yeah. a bit too too much fun for it to be like a proper mm. you know really serious cliffhanger one. That's well, it's a good episode. I watched that quite recently and really enjoyed. Mm. How do you feel about um, all good things? All the things, well, that's because it's not because it's right at the end of the season, isn't it? It's not so it's not a cliffhanger. No cliffhanger. But right. all the things is just uh, magnificent. I probably, I think it's, it's it's even more ambitious than this in the sense because mm. it, it really relies on them being able to sell the past. Yeah, because you can't age people, up. isn't it? Yeah, and then kind of like, but you really believe you're watching mm. like stuff from the from the pilot in that because mm. you haven't watched that yet. Haven't no. you? You're saving it. We'll, we'll get with, to with, that. with good yeah. reason. I think yeah, we've got to save for now. It's, 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 it's yeah. Kappa, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you should almost have a rule you can't watch any of the finales until you watch every episode I, I think we're, we're, we definitely are going to do some episodes on the finales but I think they're like, it's a long way off yeah, yeah, we've, got, we've got to save we've got to save that juice up definitely yeah. but it's, t- it's really annoying because I really want to watch all the things <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm desperate to watch it again um and I had that taped off TV, and I, that's like, as soon as you watching Best Wobbles over and over, that's all good things was my rewatch comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> You're allowed to watch it, Paul. Like, it just, no, you know, not it. cover it on the podcast yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I suppose. Like, uh, you could watch it <laughs> and then watch it again. Purity is on. <laughs> uh, Steve, final thoughts about this? Oh, just that it is as good as advertised. You know what I mean? It's just a brilliant episode. I think that people should not underestimate the rikerness of it yeah the thing that i got from the rewatch because obviously as a kid i already fucking loved it is just how well written a lot of the conversations are both the conversations with Guinan, the one mm. first one mm. with picard on the eve of battle and then the second one with riker on the eve of battle what's on your mind i've heard a lot of people talking down in 10 forward they expect to be dead in the next day or so they trust you they like you but they don't believe anyone can save them. I'm not sure anyone can. When a man is convinced he's going to die tomorrow, he'll probably find a way to make it happen. The only one who can turn this around is you. I'll do the best I can. You're going to have to do something you don't want to do. You have to let go of Picard. Maybe you haven't heard. I tried to kill him yesterday. You tried to kill whatever that is on the Borg ship, not Picard. <sighs> Picard is still here with us, in this room. If he had died, it would be easier. But he didn't. It took him from us a piece at a time. Just so many well-considered lines. Every character is utilized well. Yeah. Nobody's like being annoying or like, like you know, Troy's well utilized, Crusher's well utilized, yeah. and it, and everyone's on the war footing. It's a brilliant, brilliant episode, and it's not. It's it's greater than the sum of its parts. I yeah, think. it's not just about that cliffhanger, and it's not just about the Borg. That's true. Yeah, because it could easily have been one that's renowned for those moments, but then you watch the episodes and you're like, uh, yeah, it's kind of about those moments, mm. but it really is about the whole thing. Yeah, the Borg's the framing device for a massive Riker Central episode about like where he's at in his life and career, isn't it? Yeah. You know, mm. It just works as both a character piece and like this full-scale invasion of the Federation. It just finds a great way of like, hey, we can't quite you know pull off the, the you know, fireworks that that would entail, so how are we going to do this? We're going to make it really interesting as a character. Yeah, study as well. I think it's the great blend of, yeah, exactly that, of having movie-level plot, which is the Borg invasion, mixed with the, the minute character stuff of Riker going on. And this is the, these are the first episodes of Next Gen that I've done, like, a second time, because I had done them following our first episode, but these are the first ones I've re-watched, because I've just been picking out ones to do. So it's great to see it again so soon. We stood up to rewatch. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'd forgotten in, like, a year or so, like, how much of Riker's in here. Because in my head, first time around, all I could think of was, oh, this is the Picard as a Borg episode, when really it's it's the Riker show. And yeah, I think it must be one of the greatest TV cliffhangers. Like the ones in my head that I think of now are like this, who shot Mr. Burns Simpson, <laughs> and what's in the hatch 
season one of Lost. Oh, fuck, what's oh, it? Oh, Fuck, that was when I stopped yeah, watching yeah, Lost. Yeah. You let me hang around right, for 20 something episodes. When you introduce a hatch in the penultimate episode, and then just open it in the last one. Fuck you and your family. This is the last great time network TV pulled off something like this. Forget, forget the hatch. We're talking Lost, and both you uh-huh. and me are massive Lost apologists yes. and love it. The cliffhanger I would choose is we have to go back. Well, yes, we, that's that's the one that's because the I, one. I, much as obviously I wanted to know what was down the hatch, yeah. I do. I love Lost, and I do agree with Steve of the thing of you can't reveal something halfway through a season and then go, oh, the cliffhanger is still yeah. what's down the hatch, even though I wanted to know. And I think the reveal of what is down there is very interesting. I think the cliffhanger, which really sounds like, is that the fucking structural balls of <laughs> going, essentially, we're finishing the show and going, oh, but wait a sec, we're flash forwarding to five years in the future. And now that's going to play into everything and mm-hmm. it all links and dovetails yeah. back in. Yeah, no, no, I and agree. Now you're that, like, that season three finale. Oh, my God. Or was it season four that? Season three finale. Season three finale, yes, that is the best uh, ending of a season for Lost. But yeah, in terms of like, what we think of when we think of stretched out cliffhangers where you have to know, even if it's really frustrating, the, the hatch non-reveal kind of really got into that zeitgeist in a way that hasn't really since. And I think yeah. they knew that because, you know, they did the clever thing of revealing what was in the hatch within the yeah. first second of season two, even if you don't realise until that opening kind of shot yeah. montage ends, which was so clever. Well, they... for, for a second it looked like uh, Game of Thrones had that kind of power, but then it turned out people didn't like what the, what the, what the, well, see, the Game next of, thing ended up being. With Game of Thrones, it was always, if it's the first four seasons, it's from the book, so people knew. And then the mm. other seasons, none of them really ended on cliffhangers. They just kind of... I, I would say that now shows don't, really. Yeah, in yeah, terms, yeah. it's much more thing. The idea of a season finale cliffhanger yeah. seems to be something for a bygone age. Yeah. Now, it, because... You back next well, can you, you want to sell the, sell the box set? Like, they, yeah, like, it's got to be a complete... It's completely in there. Can you think story. of the last yeah. big, like, here's an unfinished end to a season? Like, properly. Like, if it got cancelled now, we're fucked. Was, it, was Battlestar season three? That was... Yeah. That was a big yeah, one. Because yeah. that was the, the revealing the final The final four. five. Final five. That yeah. was about the 2005 or so. Yeah. Yeah. And the end of season thing. two is the silence of yeah. one. Yeah. Well, what about, like, say, the last decade, 2010 to 2019? Is there a big TV, network TV cliffhanger? Yeah. Or we've been not Or more than one case show in 10 years. Because this is the thing, in terms of, I would say, like, the best shows are those massive cable shows where it feels much more, like, novelistic. I guess oh, the, the closest yeah. thing would be... And yeah. Vodication Series 3. <laughs> you know what that's very true but again even that's going to be more than 10 I years I guess the, the closest thing would be uh, David Tennant regenerating into Matt Smith that's a te- essentially it's a not really yeah it's it. like it's a whole new show from that point on yeah it's, like, it's, it's, it's yeah. not a cliffhanger that, that's an ending of a of a chapter and also it's like it's not like the Doctor had never regenerated before it's not like the end of the 10th oh. planet in 1966 well I guess yeah, yeah, try, yeah, you're going to try and think on this Ru- let us know what's your favourite modern cliffhangers are there any? Say, yeah, into what season say, yeah. finale cliffhangers? Because there are definitely cliffhangers within seasons. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, oh, yeah, this one qualified, but I would say the mid-season break of Discovery has quite a good cliffhanger, hasn't it? When it's like, yes, it yeah. Where, where are we yeah. going? Where like, are yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I would say that's only. It's kind of a oh, well, actually, season one of Discovery has a proper cliffhanger oh, yeah. ending of the fucking, the Enterprise, fucking Enterprise turns up. Yeah, yeah, but it's just kind of like 
it's so obvious that that's kind of what's about to happen, you know. But it's still it's, pretty, no, like, But you can't oh, really wow. call... That's a reveal. That's not a cliffhanger. cliffhanger. I'd say it's a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger's a situation no. where it's like, how are they going to get out of this? Yeah. You're not thinking how are they going to yeah, get I, out I, of the Enterprise. No, no, no. Yeah. But it's, I, I don't agree. It's, it's more in terms of, I want to know what's going to happen because the thing of yeah, that... Yeah, that's the, that's the is overall term All they word. reveal is... It's the Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. They don't go who's on the Enterprise because at this point we're still essentially questioning when exactly is it set because yeah. they always went 10 years before Kirk and it was like, what, 10 years before he's born or 10 years before mm. he's captive? Yeah. What do you mean? And that was the moment where they go, well, it's the Enterprise so we're about to find out who's on that ship at this time? Yeah. When is this set? Well, like, I still think you know, that's, is it time that's travel? a cliffhanger in the sense of the word of like it's a surprise ending and you want to know what happens next but... Cliffhangers like Best of Both Worlds are the ones where the action is halted mid-thing. Yes. Yeah. And you need to wait to find out how they resolve it. I think you've hit on something there, which is that which both, is... both of you, which is that in the modern age of television watching, fans a, no longer want cliffhangers. They want... They're angry when something that they don't expect to happen yeah. happens. Yeah. That's the new... The new normal is, I've already had a theory about what happens in season two of Discovery, mm. and when it turns out to be something that I don't expect, I'm going to try and kill people because I hate everyone. Like, if we're throwing in mid-season finale, so anything with a big break, yeah. ending of Breaking Bad season five, part one, where Hank realises yes. the war white is Heisenberg. Yes. Like, that's, that's amazing. That is a huge, huge moment. Yeah. Drop the mic. This changes everything. That might be the biggest moment. Don't drop the mic. Yeah, and that's a gigantic show where that, yeah. that was, before Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad was the last thing that seemed to grip yeah. everyone. And in but, cinema, Force Awakens. And it had yes. a plane yeah. dropping out of the sky. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was the real ending of Christ. Yeah. They were going to tie in yeah, to yeah. Breaking Bad like, yeah. <laughs> starring Q himself John Delancey right Steve where can we find you online and your work oh well uh, I'm on Facebook uh, uh, at Stephen Trumbull uh, that's my name <laughs> but I have a professional page Trumbull Comedy um, uh, Twitter I'm at Stephen Trumbull and on Instagram I am 50 uses for the word love which is also the name of my podcast which you can find in all good places and uh, you should be able to get like details of where I'm gigging and stuff and all things that's available online mm -hmm. starring me check me out yeah can currently be seen on Comedy Central yes uh, Comedy Central. on the YouTube channel or any of their that's kind of on social media yeah, Facebook YouTube and Instagram perfect yeah if you YouTube search pie or pint it comes up yes at the top so that's the do one. that you can find us at Spotlight Pod on Instagram Twitter and Facebook as well uh, you can send us an email at spotlightpod at gmail.com and yeah, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any kind of podcast platform. Then you get episodes earlier than other people. You don't want to miss a thing. Exactly. Well, that's the thing in terms of you get the episodes as soon as they drop. So yeah. it's like literally at because we, I don't podcasts, want to search for stuff. Podcasts I've, always I've exactly. drop into my feed. Podcasts That's always come about at like kind of midnighty time, and you you know you you go to bed, <laughs> you need something to listen to. That's going. And who would you rather 
listen to the North Dulcet tones yeah. <laughs> coming in <laughs> your ears. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Do them a favour. He's he's manually staying up till midnight to press. Yeah. But just every like can't be bothered to work out how <laughs> to make the auto upload. And <laughs> um, we yeah we're really enjoying. Uh, this new run of episodes but we yes. will be getting back to our revisited uh, run and also spotlight of the movies as well uh, we love doing that and yeah it's, it's lots of fun so there's now kind of lots of different elements of the podcast to enjoy but until next time fire